Hello and welcome to the TetraCast. This is RPG Sites' weekly podcast where we get the site staff together to talk about our favorite genre of video games. My name is Brian Vitali. Joining me today is the usual crew. Let's go through them. We've got George Foster. Hello, everyone. We've got Josh Torres. The tech and developers are sick. Can't believe they do this on April Fool's to me. I will have to ask for context later. <laughs> also joining us is Adam Vitali. Hey, guys. And James Galizio. Are we outriding, son? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Not tell me about the, tell me about Tekken. What did they do? Okay, so on April Fools, April Fools in Japan is always uh, a, a wild time because it feels like all your dream projects get announced on April Fools' Day, and you're like, "Haha, just kidding!" They're like everyone remembers Yakuza Seven. Turret was initially an April Fools' joke at the April Fools in Japan that year, like 2019. Negoshi released a video that's like, "Whoa, Yakuza's an RPG. That's crazy. Nice April Fools, man. I want that as a real game." And then that became a real game, the Yakuza Seven and whatnot. So. For April Fools this year at Bad Night Namco, specifically some of the tech and developers, and I guess some uh, partnership agreements in there. Um, there's this Idol Master mobile game. There's a lot of mobile games for it, but uh, I forgot which one. It's like Million Live Stage, whatever. I don't know. Um, that for April Fools, they uh, made a fighting game mode inside that uh, mobile game where like the Idol ma- Masters or the Idols fought. So it's just like it's, a lot of people have been wanting a, like an Idol Master versus Love Live fighting game for a long time. So them just teasing this, teasing this thing out. It's like, hey, here's this fighting game mode in this Idol game, and it's like a lot of a lot of that fandom's like dream project because it's just it's just funny to see uh, and whatnot, and to, and to hear that like, hey. So the tech and developers got in on it, and it's very clear that they were in on it because uh, the footage that was being released in social media by the people who played that game uh, had Tekken movesets uh, on those characters in that. And that was just like one of those who were just like, man, I wish that was a real thing. That's really funny. <laughs> it was pretty cool. So that's a Why do they always make their jokes like things people would actually want? Like this is, this is something that you would all like throw Making... over your wallets for. <laughs> Man, Josh, Good. it's like they almost made I'm going to break your Nico Nico kneecaps real. <laughs> it got very close. I'm going to ask for, for I don't know the context of what James <laughs> just said, but maybe we should just move on. It's 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 a it's a rabbit hole. Don't don't do it. All right. Thanks for thanks for shielding me from this. Yeah, uh, you're innocent. You don't deserve this. So looking ahead at the slate that we've got for this week, it's actually quite a light week that probably the lightest that we've had in a while. But I don't know, maybe that's fine. Let's just go through and see where it takes us. We do have a pretty large list of games people have been playing, a lot of releases in the last couple of weeks that some of the staff has been getting to, from Disco Elysium to a new Square Enix game to Kingdom Hearts on PC. Uh, Let's see. I don't think Adam hardly ever goes first, so I'm going to make him go first. Uh-oh. I think I went first, like, last week, honestly. Oh, uh, did you? <laughs> <laughs> I talked. I remember talking about one of the dungeon crawlers. Well, you're already, you're already talking now, so sorry. Yeah, so the last few weeks, I finished the experienced dungeon crawlers that I've been playing, which is Savior Sapphire Wings slash Stranger of Sword City Revisited. And I wrote a review for that, basically just, you know, a written form of what I said in the last two podcasts on the site, so you can go read it. And then after I finished that, I decided to play through the latest DLC for The Outer Worlds, which is called Murder on, I believe it's pronounced Eridanos. So Murder on Eridanos. And this 
DLC. Let me start with the previous DLC, which is Parallon Gorgon. So Parallon Gorgon, one thing about it that I wasn't really a fan of was it was very, very, very light on like NPCs and dialogue. There was like one NPC that you meet that basically like established the, the, the problem that you were going to fix. And then most of that, you know, seven hours of that DLC was wandering and abandoned, basically destroyed facility. And your job is to figure out what happened here. And it just kind of felt lonely. It really focused on the the combat side of the outer worlds, which is sort of like the weaker side of the game. So it was just kind of like, uh, okay. And it also felt maybe like, maybe this is just due to like a DLC budget. They couldn't get, you know, actors to do a lot of the voices or whatever. So it's actually really, I was really happy to see that. That is not the case for Murder on Eridanos at all in that uh, this, what this is, is a murder mystery. It's like a whodunit. So a basically a television star is murdered at like the fanciest hotel in the colony or whatever. And of course, being the outer world, this is completely caked in like corporate, you know, satire and, and whatnot. And so you are hired to basically come in and solve the case. And in order to do that, this DLC, unlike Parallel and Gorgon, has a bunch of DLC or a bunch of NPCs, excuse me, that are potential, you know, suspects or like trying to help you out in terms of determining like what happened here. And it's really cool. There's a lot of dialogue, there's a lot of NPCs. It ends up being a pretty intricate like series of events that you're trying to untangle and work your way through. And so it really feels like kind of a, almost a, like a response to Parallel and Gorgon. It's like you can spend a few hours of this DLC. You're literally just like roaming and talking rather than roaming and like shooting things. So, so that, both that of these cool. DLCs are like sandwiched in there. They're not like epilogues. They're not additional chapters. They're kind of like you're in the meat of your game, but now there's more places you can travel to on the map. Right. It, it feels sort of like... Um, you know, like 360 era DLC where, you know, you, you, once you have it in your system, it's like there in the game world and you can access it. And I believe these DLCs are meant to be done later in the game rather than earlier, just due to like the level balancing, but they're just included as part of the game. Now, you know, it's not like a separate standalone thing, not like, uh, like the missing link in Deus Ex. You remember that? Or sort of just this separate thing, which is kind of weird, but well, I kind of uh, think of the, the 360 era Fallout games where they're kind of like separated maps that are like siloed off. Like you're, you're in the wasteland or the Mojave and oh, you're like, now, yeah, now I'm just fast traveling to some other place. But here, I guess you kind of were already doing that from the map screen anyway. So yeah, yeah. exactly. It's, it's not like yeah. an open world. So, so that it doesn't really feel any different than any other place you go to on the galaxy map. But, um, so that I was really enjoying this DLC quite a bit, just trying to like, you know, figure out what exactly happened. And it was interesting enough. You meet a couple of cool characters or maybe I should say quirky characters. Like there's a, there's like the, there's like the brutal or the brutish, but and dumb, but sort of lovable boyfriend. There's the flamboyant and jealous co-star of this now dead, now murdered uh, actress. There's this private police force that this hotel hired that is kind of slippery that, you know, is a is a suspect, and then there's some like a self help guru. There's a chef. There's a weird like drug dealer guy. So there's like a bunch of different characters that you meet, and so you can spend a lot of time talking to them and trying to figure out what happened. And you know, there's some combat here and there as well as you're going through some of these locations. 
But unfortunately, the biggest misstep this DLC makes is that it really fumbles the ending. It's, I don't want to spoil it outright, but it's, it, it, it reminds me of like something you would see in a, like a soap opera parody. Like, did you believe this was actually what happened? And it was just like, <laughs> really? It's not something you would ever guess. Maybe now that I say it's a soap opera parody, maybe you might guess it, but it's just like, really? It's not background. It, it's not foreshadowed. It's just yeah. like, yeah, from nowhere. Yeah, and it, like the thing with like a murder mystery, and this is the thing for any narrative that that weighs itself or like has a heavy focus on like hiding things from the from the reader or the player or the viewer. Like there, that that creates intrigue, right? You want to figure out what happened, or you want to figure out what's going on. So that's that's inevitably creating intrigue. But what that means is is that you are placing a lot of weight on the shoulders of the eventual unveiling. And that basically can make or break it, right? And so I, I, this is a weird example maybe, but I think of something like the show Lost, right? Where like in the first season, it's like, what is going on? This is super weird. I want to figure out what's happening. And then eventually just like, oh, well, this is kind of dumb, right? And <laughs> like, it, it's, sort of, it's sort of like that. And, and I kind of just feel like it really kind of soured me on the whole DLC. Like I was enjoying it like quite a bit until this unveil. I'm just like, I can't believe this is what it actually was really. And so... My ultimate kind of conclusion here is that I had fun time a fun time with the DLC. I really, really wish like this murder mystery plot was just tweaked a little bit so it didn't rely on this twist at the end. And also being, you know, a $15 DLC, it would have to be really excellent for me to say, like, hey, if you beat this game 18 months ago or whenever it released, this is worth, you know, paying $15 and dusting off your copy to 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 jump back in, you know? And it's it's not really. I would say. Yeah, that's, that's kind of where that. I'm at, where it's like, if I go to my save file for Outer Worlds, I never played Peril and Gurgun. It's like probably from December 2019 or early 2020. It's like, do I need, should I, should I re make sure my game is fully installed? I don't know that it is. Make sure my save file is in place. I don't know that it is. And play through it for these two DLCs. It sounds like you're kind of like, very hesitant They're, to say like, yes, you should. I don't think the DLCs are like poor. They, they just like, that's a big ask. They would have to be really excellent to say for me to recommend. Like, yeah, this is totally worth going back to it, and it's it's just not. Um, All right. So, so I will I will move my goalpost. I had already I had always kind of stated like once both DLCs are out, I'll play through them. Now it's kind of like you know what? Maybe once they announce a sequel, I'll, I'll play through them. <laughs> yeah, that's where I'm at as well. Yeah. Oh, so like so like I'll just move the goalpost out a bit. Like eh. I'll just punt it to next year or whenever they, because I, I think it's kind of like all but confirmed that they're working on it. I forget. Sequel. Um, oh. Maybe, maybe I shouldn't say that because I don't know that for certain. But I remember, I remember, I remember once seeing a list of like all the different things that Obsidian was working on, and obviously there's Avowed, obviously there's Grounded, uh, Sawyer's working on a smaller project of some sort, and then I saw Outer Worlds two listed, but I forget like what the source on what of that was, but. Presumably they are, and if they are, uh, and if they announce it, maybe then I'll play through these. So this is the last DLC or the last piece of content for Outer Worlds One, right? Just uh, this is yep. this is it. Okay. Yep. It's like now it's basically done. I even mentioned in my review. So the Outer Worlds is interesting because it released basically within a year or roughly a year after Fallout seventy six, and it's kind of stumbling launch as well as like anthem which you know completely cratered so it was sort of like 
a modern style Western RPG releasing at a time when other studios weren't really doing that. And so I think that alone kind of put a lot of pressure on it. And I feel like obviously everyone will have their own opinion, but the common consensus is that the game is pretty good, but maybe not like absolutely stellar. And I'm curious to see like what its legacy will be going forward. Mm. And maybe there'll be a sequel. Um, I'm not so sure about it getting a sequel. If uh, well, here I I, I substantiated if, it a little bit. So when sorry, I don't mean to talk over you, but I was looking this up as uh, in the last five minutes. Uh, when Outer Worlds came to Steam late last year, Daniel Ahmad, which is Zuj Ex on Twitter, said last he heard a new entry in the franchise is being explored. So insider rumor mongering, at least. I know it was more successful than they were sort of expecting it to be. Not sure how much more it won. It won a few awards, so I know some people are kind of like lukewarm on it, but it was successful both critically and commercially. So it's also one of those like titles that was very like one of the bigger releases on day one on Game Pass, especially PC Game Pass. It's like, oh, yeah, I can play this new game at a very low cost uh, on PC, I don't have to go out and shell out $60. So I remember that was the impact it made when it first came out. I, I know that's sort of how I played it. And like I kind of fell off it a few hours in because I just it was really wasn't for me. But like I, I was like, that's cool that you know that this is like an experience that you can have on PC Game Pass. And now that some time has passed, you know, it's kind of been up and down, but that, that was cool for its time. Just like MLB, the show is coming to Game Pass. Yeah, that is so wild <laughs> watching that trailer, man. Xbox logo, then PlayStation Studios logo. It's like, I guess this is the future we live in now. I just have one more thing to say about The Outer Worlds, and this has sort of bugged me since the main game, and it, it kind of carried over into uh, the first DLC as well as the this most recent one. I feel like the side quests are just honestly really weak. Uh, so there's a lot of side quests, or actually there's only a few side quests, but most of them are just like, fetch something for me. It's like, oh, I need help getting my robot who's wandered off. And you literally go like 100 meters in a direction. And it's like, oh, here's the robot. And you kill like a few enemies. And like, all right, we returned it. And that's the quest. I'm like, wait, that, that's it? Like, that wasn't very interesting or like nothing, nothing happened. <laughs> and then there's another quest where like the pool is malfunctioning. And so you go to like a nearby greenhouse. You basically create a cleaner by using a, like a, a very, very easy puzzle to solve like it's literally like gives you the solution right there then you come back and it's like oh thank you for fixing the pool and that's it and it's just like this i don't know like i i played wasteland 3 last year and that had more interesting you know side quests that you know had you know some intrigue some lasting some choices some lasting consequences and the ones in carol and gorgon and murder on eridanos especially but even in the main game i just kind of feel like there's a lot of quests where you just sort of you're asked to do a thing and then you do a thing and then it's and then it's done and maybe there's some intrigue i'm missing or maybe there was some option of like how to how to solve the quest that i just didn't see but it, if so just other i don't know if anyone who else else has played outer worlds maybe felt similar to me but i just kind of feel like i wish there was more to like the side quest than just do this thing for me yeah thinking back on it there is a lot of like discover an area and then look in it and then you find a thing and then it's like done i'd, I'd finish a quest and not realize that i'd even started it because you'd find a person and be like oh can you find this thing and then i just like happen to pick it up it. And the quest, <laughs> yeah quite a lot so but like i think i might have mentioned this before i had also played uh kingdom come deliverance 
Uh, and that game has its own issues, but like a lot of the side quests in that game, you know, have a lot of different possible branches to how they can be solved. And there's how the quest lead, how some side quests lead to other side quests can depend on how you solve the first one. And I know that's maybe a lot to ask. I just, I really like it when games are able to do that with optional content rather than just, you know, do this thing for me. So anyways, that was the last thing I wanted to say about the, about the, about the, the, the DLC. And we'll see in a couple of years if the Outer Worlds, what is, if it has any sort of lasting legacy or, you know, how, how people will feel about it five years from now or whatever. So I still feel bad for talking over James earlier. So I'm going to eat. I'm going to allow him to either go next or decide who goes next. So George, are you a communist <laughs> yet? <laughs> um, so here's the thing. Uh, I've been waiting, waiting to talk about it, but if I want to play Disco Elysium yet, um, hmm. five hours in and what I've played adoring it is exactly what I wanted it to be. This is the this goes in the final cut for, for the on, on the PS5. Okay. Um, oh yeah, I guess the communist thing didn't like exactly tip <laughs> everyone off. But on PS5, it's just not like like it just need it needs a patch. A patch is on the way. A patch is apparently on the way soon. Um, I think then like it will be. So let's be really totally get that into it. it. Like like people have been you know really been. Uh, excited for disco elysium to finally come to console it came to ps5 i don't know if it's ps4 also but definitely ps5 the final cut and then it launched ps5 as well yeah yeah and, and then it launched and then there's all these sorts of issues what kind of issues are you experiencing with the ps5 release of disco elysium final cut so the most annoying one for me um would definitely have to be the voiceover issues so like one of the big draws is the fact that Every every character's voiced, every line is voiced. Uh, there's been like a significant amount of dialogue that just doesn't pop up. It'll it'll be text, and like the text, like I've said before, the prose is really amazing. It reads really well, but to have it just like switch off randomly is really annoying. Um, I feel like that kind of for people who are going back for that specific reason, will be kind of bummed out by that. Um, and then there's like movement issues all the time, like. I try and get upstairs and it takes me like four or five attempts because keep like running back down them and it's just like is it doing this uh and i think the reasoning is because it's like supposed to be clicking uh oh, point and click there we go <laughs> click yeah. and click i was gonna say but click and move can move um and actually you're i will say you're 100 right because i've actually since they released the update on pc i've gotten back to giving it another uh, attempt at playing it and uh, if you use like the uh, WASD keys, you also kind of have that issue where it feels really sluggish. So yeah, it's definitely meant for you to kind of click where you want to go and then just let the game do its thing. And it, it is just like a constant. It's not like a deal breaker. None of these issues are like, oh, this game sucks. Like I, I can tell that I'm going to like really, really love this game just from like the five hours I've played. Like I'm. I am so into it, and I already like want to change up how I've played it and do it differently the next time. Uh, and I rarely feel like that about a game. I'm just like, okay, if this game is going to be so special, I want to experience it as best. Um, oh, and that, what's another annoying issue? Uh, I've uh, heard interacting. With okay, you're, you're uh, on yeah. the same page. Exactly the same page. Like every time you interact with something, it's like a it's like a 
it's a gamble whether it will work that time or not. Um, for a game that's like all about that, it's kind of annoying. Uh, I've had frame rate issues. I've had one soft crash. Uh, just it's just kind of surprising. Um, remember, I kept saying before, like, oh, I really hope they release this game um, at the end of March. And now I'm kind of like giving it a month or two more. I, I would have been happy to wait because I, I, I don't like being in this position now of like wanting to play it, but thinking, you know, what's the point? Why wait? Why not wait like a week or two and then experience it its best? I, I think the thing that I've that irks me the most, like I haven't been playing it on uh, on uh, PS5. Like I, I played it all the way through on PC when I, on the year it came out. But like the thing that irks me the most about it, this console port, from especially when I hear from people playing it, uh, is the just the font size has been largely unaltered. Oh God, yeah, I forgot about that one. Uh, the thing is with that, because I've seen that complaint a lot. And that's the only thing that's not been addressed in the patch, apparently. Like, on Twitter, they the studios, like, said all of the other stuff, but not anything about font size. It's not that bad for conversations. Like, conversations, it's completely fine. As soon as you go into a menu, as soon as you go into inventory, I have to get up, like, right close to my TV. And that's pretty and, important. <laughs> yeah, I know. And it, it's all these little things that, like, hit this game from being... This, this thing I've gone on about every single week and one of my most anticipated games a long time to like you know, it's not disappointing it's not it's, no it is yeah, it's, it is disappointing it's disappointing it's in the state um yeah I, it yeah. will be fixed though like next week maybe even like it, it might even hopefully the, yeah hopefully the text size gets fixed because I can entirely see what you're talking about because obviously I'm playing on a monitor so it works fine but if you look even for a monitor, some of the text size for stuff like the descriptions for the internalized thoughts is really tiny. Yes. It's, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's already it's, an overwhelming sort of game in some ways. Like all the things I can't even imagine how you play this game on a big ass TV. Like you just want to lay down on your oh like, man, your I couch and on a big TV yeah. and then this sort of Josh, thing happens. Josh, mm -hmm. this game is coming to the Nintendo Switch. Dude, okay, so uh, you know what? We were having this conversation right now. The first thing that popped in my mind is there's like a big offender of it. Nothing works me more about like games that like have like UI HUD scalability issues uh, uh, than like when remember uh, Xenoblade X on playing the on the Wii U tablet, that little screen. Oh no! Well, that's the funny thing. I played Xenoblade X. Oh yeah, on, on Samu. Yeah, I played on and, Yeah, and it's like. I guarantee the reason the text ended up the way it did is that when they were testing it, they were probably testing it on monitors. And so they thought this text is fine for me because it feels like the perfect size if you're playing it on a 27 inch monitor. Yeah, but I can I can tell if you're playing it on a big TV and you're sitting on a couch like like seven, eight feet away. It's like, no, that that's too tiny. <laughs> Especially, dude, especially like when you played on like just the Wii U tablet, like before the Switch, before did all its whole gimmick, and you had that, and you were trying to play that just through that little monitor on the Wii U tablet. I swear, some of the text is like maybe three pixels big. It's like, all right, I guess like I I understand what they're trying to tell me. Ah, uh, yeah, it's it sucks. Like every time I see this kind of issue, the of like just font size not being readable on like a certain device. Even though you're trying to like tell people, hey, play it on this, and that's just how it ends up. It's it's it kind of it frustrates me on another level because I get it, I totally get it. I hate not being able to like see at all. Yeah. The thing is, as well, 
to be more positive, uh, I, I've hidden this in between all the complaints, but like I really, 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 really love what I've played so far. Um, I love all of the choices you can make. I love all of the characters. I love sort of the story that's like slowly unraveling. Like I have no idea where it's going to go. Um, I'm George, just I'm, gonna, I'm so intrigued. I'm going to say one thing. If anything were to happen to uh, Kim Kisaragi, I would kill everyone in this room and then myself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Adam's been telling me that for a while, and I have to agree. Like, I, I think I annoyed him character. once, and then I was like, "No, I'll never annoy you again." Like, you're, you're my best friend now. Yeah, he's a he's a very good character. Um, I just I just hope that it does get fixed soon. Um, it's still playable. Like, it's still definitely playable. Like, I, let me thinks I will give up and go yeah I'll, I'll keep playing it now so i really want to but if there are people who are like thinking of getting it i would maybe wait a little bit if you're not in a rush for it anyway because i'm obviously reviewing it so I, I feel like maybe it is also partly my duty to review it as it is rather than be like oh i'll wait is it's been given to us how it has been given to us and maybe i should judge it on that so george already talked about this but on the studio's twitter page they said the patch is incoming. We don't have a date. Fixed items and interactables not working. Fixed items not loading. Smoother controller and interaction experience and fixed various VO. So those are like all the complaints outside of font. So hopefully soon. And then obviously, hopefully those carry over into this summer's uh, Xbox and Switch releases. Because this, this would be a, a game that I would love to be able to like wholeheartedly recommend and not have to list. Oh, but by the way, it has these issues. Uh, both on console and with the PC version of the Final Cut as well, with the voiceover I've heard is still a thing. So I'd love to be able to do that. So we'll just we'll keep on top and see when that patch lands and if it ends up being uh, successful at addressing those things. Then we can say thanks for beta testing it, George and PS5. Yes, <laughs> uh, one, my pleasure. So I've played a little bit of it. I I, I want George to talk about its takes too, but because uh, that's the every game he's played. But I did want to pipe in and say. One thing that I've noticed with Disco Elysium, they changed Kuno's voice actor, and I am so upset. Oh, they did? I like it? Yeah, I heard about that, too. I'm like, I, I love get it. it. I get it, but Kuno, because Kuno is really fucking annoying in the original. <laughs> so Kuno is this young kid that you meet, and he is like a complete brat, but like in an endearing way, that might be like a testament to how this game is written, where he's just like a snot-nosed kid that you want to punch, but you, don't also, you also like... You're glad that he's there. You appreciate his presence. I don't know. <laughs> one of my one of my favorite. <laughs> he's one of my favorites so far. Yeah, one of my favorite things, and this isn't really a spoiler, is when you're like uh, writing down like um, stuff for like the uh, the autopsy, and he, um, Kim says there's uh, like uh, gashes from low velocity rocks. Maximum velocity. And yeah. and he's and he pipes in saying it was max fucking velocity, <laughs> and and so you uh you can actually amend it to say max velocity. <laughs> yeah, yeah, little stuff like that all throughout the game so far. That I'm just like, just the detail. It's so good. Adam wrote this when he wrote the, when he wrote the original review for this. I, I believe it was Adam, right? Yeah. Um, you wrote and obviously we played it with the uh, partial voice acting that I originally had, but you said like. Not many games do you sit there reading it and then you laugh out loud. But this is one of yeah. those. Like, yeah, yeah I've heard that a lot. That is just that. That is one thing where I'm just like, that's 
that's a testament to how well it's written right there. Because it's easy to just say like, oh, this game's well written because it has good stuff, good characters, good story, good plot. But no, this this game is written in such a way that I'm sitting here by myself in my computer room laughing at this video game I'm playing. I have have something I really want to say. Okay, go ahead. So I, this is maybe making a connection where I shouldn't, but I'm going to. So looping back to what I said about Murder on Eridanos, it's a murder mystery. Disco Elysium also has mystery elements Ooh, to it. I, li- I, like, I like where this is going. Yeah, so there's actually like two mysteries you're basically trying to solve, right? There is a murder mystery in Disco Elysium. You're literally trying to figure out what happened to this body. And there's also the mystery of like what the heck happened to your main character because he doesn't remember anything. Mm-hmm. So you kind of have like these two different things you're trying to figure out at once. Like what the heck happened to this body and what the heck happened to me? And I will say, without spoiling anything for people who haven't finished, like, unlike Murder on Eridanos, I do think Disco Elysium does land, hit the landing here. And it really fits into, like, the game's themes as well. Um, I, I probably shouldn't say any more than that, but it, it feels extremely cohesive, like, what this game is trying to say and, like, it, and how it fits into, like, this, the, like, what actually did happen to the body and what did happen to the main character all fit together with the world that's created. And it's really well done. Like, it's actually really good, good writing. And now thinking about this makes me even a little bit more upset about Murder on Eridano. So it just kind of has this sort of throwaway twist just for twist's sake, you know? Just, yeah. Anyways, that's all I had to say. No, it's a good comparison. I'm glad that we had the opportunity to talk about both games. So, George, did you have anything else on your list for this week? Let's see. Uh, so, the other game, uh, and I think James has been playing oh, it yeah, as well, my Twitter, uh, It Takes Two. And it's game of the year. <laughs> it's it's okay, pretty let's, pretty special. Yeah. Let's uh, back up. Who developed this game? I know this is the Yosa, the next uh, game. Fuck for the Yosa Oscars. Uh, the, <laughs> <laughs> got that requisite. <laughs> uh, yeah, this from the it's like studios, yeah. right? From Brothers of the Hill, Two Sons, and what was the other one? Way out. Oh, way out. Yeah. So this is kind of the the co op mandatory mandatory co op uh, split screen. You can either do it locally or online. They're doing that thing again, like they did with the Way Out. And yeah, just clarifying for people who didn't know what the, what this game is. So I originally played Way Out um, with my best friend at university called Tom. Uh, and we played it in one sitting. We just bought it. We we're like, okay, this is a like just co-op game. We'll play this. Uh, we loved it. It was like clunky. It didn't play well. Like the twist was kind of obvious. It wasn't an amazing game, but like we loved it because it was just this really, really unique game and something that only we could play together. Like, I couldn't just like skip ahead and play on my own. Nothing like that. Like I had to play it with him. Um, so when it takes two was announced, I was like, right. Tom, like we're playing this, we're gonna do this one, and this one actually looks fun. This one looks like it has good gameplay, and is such a competent 3D platformer. Like it feels so good to control, and like that is such a surprise, and it's just so full of magic. Like there are so many moments where you're just like, this is just so much fun. This is just like pure, pure fun. Speaking uh, of magic I- moments, so I have not played this game, but what I have been exposed to was apparently there's like one level. Where the camera pulls out and it goes to like a side-scrolling fighting game perspective, and there's like two like fighting squirrels or something like that. Oh yeah, there's a scene <laughs> where th- this is this is it. Like the game is full of stuff like that where you it'll just, just change genre. Yeah, it'll just change genre for like 
25, 30 minutes and it just nails landing on it. Like that specific moment, you you it shifts to a fighting game for one of the players right after basically an ace combat like like flight um flight combat game. And then while one person is literally like using fighting game controls to fight a squirrel in some Metal Gear Solid four ass like fight, you uh, (laughs) the other player has to keep track of where they're flying the uh, airplane to not crash it. (laughs) Oh, that didn't come through when I was watching the footage, because when I was watching the footage, I I was just focusing on the health bars at the top, the squirrel fight. But like, oh, the other player was controlling the, the craft. Okay. That that's the case all the time. There's never a moment where, and there could be moments where the other player would just sort of like sit around, but the game never lets it be like that. The game always gives both of you something to do, and it's always really clever. Um, I've seen the I've seen like a comparison saying that it's the best co-op game since Portal Two, and yeah, I fully agree. I think it is probably the best co-op game I've ever played. I want we came uh, away yeah. sad that it finished. I want to play this with someone for sure. Like obviously, that's mandatory. Like I, I do want to get around because I, you know the gameplay itself is really seems really cool. I think that just the thing, the hesitant thing that like uh, put like you know it's one of those things that like it's personal to me is just the game's premise. The game's premise is very weird. Like not not really spoiling yeah, anything because yeah. I don't know what happens. But like the setup of the game is that um this kid's uh parents are like you know going through like arguing and going through the divorce like they're, they're about to like split up and whatever and then through this uh kids like magic tears or whatever uh like it, her tears fall on these like two like kind of dolls uh straw dolls and then uh for, for for whatever reason uh there's this honey i shrunk the kids uh moment where like the the the, the souls of the two parents is like infused into those straw dolls so now they have to like uh, go uh, traverse through this like uh, oversized house now as these two straw dolls and like kind of working through together, uh, you know, even though they can't really stand each other at the moment and like obviously going through a divorce and like uh, this game has uh, like I don't I don't know exactly how it pans out, but this game has like this like weird messaging of like uh, you know you can work it out just. Uh, and, uh, like you know, trying to stick together, trusting each other, and whatnot, and may- maybe this divorce, like you know, doesn't need to happen, or maybe you guys can stay still stay on good terms or whatnot. And it's like kind of like pampering or kind of softening the blow of like how uh, hard a divorce can be. Like I- I'm I'm a child of uh, like uh, that has divorced parents, and it took a very long time of them to even come to like speaking terms again. It took maybe four to six years. I want to say like it was a very very I won't go into the details of it, but it was a very not great divorce and whatnot. And th- things have smoothened out now, but it took a very long time. And it's like if the, the game's like message initial messaging, and this just rubs me the wrong way of like any story that tries to like kind of soften the blow of like how hard a divorce can be on, uh, especially uh, uh, on the kid themselves. And I uh, I do I'll, want to. Can I can I just say hold something? On, hold on, hold on. And also, also this game also has like this weird NPC or this other character that's like a like a, this like uh, book that has like this uh, Spanish accent and whatnot, and like tries to like you know serve as like a weird I, I I don't know exactly, but serves like a weird mediator between them, but that not really is kind of like a flirtatious mediator. I don't know how to really explain it. So it's just like it's it, to to me as a like you know as a very person like it has a very personal message for me. 
of like i don't know uh, yet right because i really like the gameplay but i don't i just don't know about like the the flavor around it like the, the story around it um yeah, go ahead so first off have you played any of it or i i've only seen footage of like the the initial like okay. setup of the game like i like i like the gameplay like i said what i'm saying is only like very beginning of the game stuff i don't really know yeah yeah much of how it pans out Okay, so George, have you finished the game, or how far are you into it? Uh, I platinumed it. I okay, okay. What I want to say is, is that first off, the book is deliberately annoying, and both of both the uh, um, both both the main characters find him annoying. And like basically through half of the game, they're like, "Fuck this! We just want to get back to our normal body so we can get get like this divorce going." And the game does eventually does have more of a focus on what the parents fighting has done for t- done to the kid. And I don't think the game is saying that divorce is easy and that you can get over those things easily. It definitely feels like the game is like is and the game doesn't even end spoiler alert with them necessarily cutting off the divorce. It I feel like they handled it maybe a bit better than you were expecting, but I'll let George say, because he I feel like he probably has th- some things to say about himself. Um, I, I was initially with Josh on the sense that I, I was a, I've been a child of divorce as well, and I, I said to my friend Tom, uh, I was like, I don't really want them to do the whole you know, like, divorces have to come back together thing, because that's that's not realistic. I know it doesn't have to be realistic, they do turn into dolls and whatnot, but seeing a narrative out there of fix this relationship or else like never turn to your bodies is like well maybe they don't want the relationship to be fixed but i will say they do handle it a lot better than i thought they would and in the second half of the game it's actually like rooting for the characters like no matter what their motivations ended up being i was like i can get along with this um i hated the book i hated the book for like six of the eight hours and then in the last two hours i was like okay book you get you get some points but I would say the the story is the weakest element overall that's Agreed. only because everything else is so good and i feel like in being in such a unique position of talking about divorce i feel like they didn't have much to say about it like i feel like i came away from it like uh, okay like that, that's that it was just kind of meh. but the rest of it is amazing and i can definitely see like the concern that was my concern going in as well but it doesn't end up being as like a, a bigger detractor as you might think so I am not a child of divorce. So that is just so I am I am in some ex- to some extent ignorant here. Um I guess I would just have to think that having not played this game, so I guess maybe I'm ignorant in two fronts. Just even with that premise, you'd have to be really careful not to be too prescriptive, regardless of which side of the coin the ending flips on. So I don't know how it ends. I don't, but like if they get back together, then that kind of says like, oh, Jesus, stick it out. It takes two, you know, happy ending. Or if it doesn't come back together, oh, it was an inevitability. It had to happen this way, which is also kind of prescriptive. So I'm just kind of like, yeah, like I think it would all it would all depend on how it is unveiled, how the conclusion is reached, you know, how it might only be specific to the circumstances at hand here. Like I it just I, like on it's it seems like a, what a tricky subject to. I to think, focus your cooperative game around. <laughs> yeah, right. I think I think the best way I can describe it and is that once you're in the thick of it, the game is focused less on the divorce itself and more what led to the two of them 
falling in love with each other in the first place and kind of rediscovering that. Yeah, yeah, I'd agree with that. I think that's a, that's a fair point. Yeah, I, I'm very interested to see, like, hopefully if I get around to it, um, how I where I land on this because it, it's a like uh, like we've said, you know, it's it's a very tricky subject for for people who have been in that spot. It's like it, even the, even as many years out as it's been now, like I'm still very you know mixed about how the whole thing went down. But obviously, you know, I can't change the past. So. Yeah, I think that's fair. Yeah, I I will say this though, George. What did you think of? Well, what was your impression with the elephant scene? Oh, that was just fucked up. Fucked up, yeah. I, that that is the perfect word for it. I feel like it was I... aiming for funny. And I was like, uh, I can see like how some people might find it funny, but I was just kind of sat there. Like, I, I'm not that sensitive to this sort of thing, but I was like, I don't know. This just seems like a weird turn game. I'm glad after that it kind of goes like, aha, that was stupid, I... wasn't it? Yeah, I I mean, I just got it. <laughs> All I can think of after that scene is, God, you're both horrible parents. <laughs> yeah, that's what I thought as well. I was like, if if the point is to show that they're trying to be good parents and get back to their bodies, it like it really doesn't do it justice. Uh well you have to I, I, I think for, like, I think for the yeah, I think for that scene that it was specifically showcasing that look, now they're they both need to <laughs> worry about their daughter <laughs> they need to realize yeah, yeah. what they're doing to her <laughs> i didn't like the daughter either though uh to be completely honest i thought her voice acting was kind of flat yeah it, just little stuff like that i thought there were moments where even at the start i thought may and cody's voice acting was a bit like oh okay but then it gets better because you spend so much time with them and you really do come just... to like those characters but rose i was just i never got on with i was like every time she appeared i was like this really needs to be about like a Divorced child, like I don't think she's adding anything to the story. I think it might yeah. like it's the same with the book. I think the whole thing could have been done still in a fantasy setting, but like without Rose and Rose and Doctor Hakeem, like you could have done. I think you could have done the story even more justice by having it be them to yeah. discovering it for themselves rather than have this book yell collaboration. So it sounds like this game is really carried by the inventiveness of its co-op gameplay stylings. Yeah, is that the correct takeaway? Yeah, I think the it, best way to so so well. I think the best way to put it is is that even by his own admission, Joseph, uh, Joseph Fares said that he feels maybe it was a bit like presumptuous of him to say. He even says this in the interview. He said that he wanted to give Nintendo some competition when it came to like inventiveness of like the gameplay. And honestly, he landed it. Like it's a very yeah. Nintendo-like game. Like not even just like the actual like gameplay like situations where he he was totally right that you're not doing the same thing twice. It's amazing how much variety there is to the gameplay the way the game evolves i mean the best thing i can say is that he managed to make an ice and water level that was actually fun to play uh that's the best level yeah that's, level that's the best far. level and the amazing thing is is that not just the main gameplay but there's every so often there will be these little sections where you can actually explore around and it's like sometimes literal toy box and there's things to do, and there's all these mini games. It's like all completely optional, but if you take your time, there's like reasons to do so. Nothing for like achievements or anything, really. Nothing like, oh, you need to collect this. But it 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 definitely rewards you for taking your time and exploring around because the density of like gameplay and interactivity objects that are just like scattered throughout the entire game is mind blowing. Like I want to know what the budget for this game was because. Yeah. 
it feels like it must have been massive. So many unique like elements to it. It's just it's just endless. You never see like the same stuff twice. It's actually kind of a long game as well. Like it really surprised me. I... Yeah, it's like ten to twelve hours, and because yeah. like each of the two characters has pretty unique gameplay, there's like reasons to replay it at least once. It's like like for forty bucks, it's a steal. It's easily like a front runner for game of the year so far. It's definitely on my list. So since you guys had kind of crossed where you both had played It Takes Two, there's also another game that is on two of your guys' list that James has also played along with Josh. So James, tell me about Outriders. Most interesting uh, loading screen I've ever played. <laughs> uh, I, I kind of, I'm, I'm messing around. Uh, I, I, I've been enjoying Outriders, so obviously it's been kind of difficult to actually play outriders uh lots of server issues um also the crossplay that was working in the demo isn't working on pc a lot of things that were working on the demo are kind of worked for the full release which is weird um yeah it's uh this is the new um uh like third person shooter rpg uh from people can fly um published by square enix and this is this is definitely a, a really rough logic because it is already tough. already a better well a more successful release than Marvel's Avengers. Yeah, but the the unfortunate part of it it's a, it's an always online game despite not being a games as a service, and like uh, it's a, it's an always online game because you know they're, they're storing your your character's data, like what's in their inventory, et cetera, et cetera, whatnot. So you know, um, but the I guess this must have been way like way more than they expected like in terms of like sheer amount of people playing it and or and or and have either bought it or playing it through xbox game pass um because the servers this is the third day third day now this game has been out the full release and it's been the servers have been very inconsistent so anytime that you lose connect connectivity with the server in game anytime it has to ping the server you're just you're just booted out of the game back to the main menu screen and then it's like, well, the could not connect to Outrider servers. And then you can either maybe get back in, or it'll you'll just hang out either the authentication screen or the signed in screen. And then you gotta check up on this status.outriders.net or their Twitter page to be like, hey, what's going on? And then uh, it's been they, a lot of updates of like they're like they're investigating the issue. You don't know the issue. We already identified the issue. Actually, mm, we're still investigating the issue. And then <laughs> It's, it's it was going to the point that like i think yesterday they're like you know what we're gonna do the old uh good old uh turn it turn off it and off. turn it back on and we'll see where it goes from there and then it was working for a little bit and then it, it went down again and then it was like that was funny because when they turned it back on again uh they were like all right we're limiting the server now to just like uh, any non-US region, so all the European servers, every every server except US, we're letting back in. You know, the US just hold tight. We're just making sure that you know everything's stable. Then, like half an hour later, after everyone's like complaining, like what the fuck, like uh, it was like, all right, US, come come on back in. You're you're good. And then like maybe several hours later, oh, could not connect to Outrider servers. Mm. So it's like ah what the f i just want to play this game like i now i yeah. feel like it's worth mentioning and like even even some of the people on twitter like benji sales and whatnot have outright said 
that this game blew up and I think nobody expected it to. Absolutely. I, I, I kind of give a comparison uh, to, to my friends uh, earlier uh, who are also playing the game. But I was like, um, you know, I, I imagine it's like one of those things that Square Enix didn't have faith in that game to be as popular as it is. So like imagine if Nier Automata was an always online game and how that exploded. It's like that. <laughs> I, that's yeah. The- it's like I'm I'm not angry because it's obvious. It, this was obviously more like a double A release that somehow blew up and broke Quirinix like um, concurrent player records on Steam. It, it's very clear that I'm sure even at the top end of what they were expecting was less than half of what they actually got. What they actually got. So, yeah. so so I'm like, if it gets sorted out sometime this weekend, fine and. Eventually, it's gonna. It will get fixed. It's just unfortunate that right now I'm kind of stuck playing other games. But again, there's plenty of games to play. It's just right when I was really starting to get into it because, like, the demo was okay. The second region was a little bit better. But then, like, once you get to the third region, you have your first real boss fight. You get some more of like enemy variety. It's like, man, I'm starting to feel this. You're getting more abilities, and it's like. Man, I want to keep playing this, and I disconnected. <laughs> yep, yep. Uh, yeah, I, I hope they get the, the server issues and crossplay uh, issues figured it out as soon as possible. Because I would really like to play this with friends, and of course, I, I, I'm playing on console. The majority of my friends, including James, are on PC. And, and you know, the, the the PC launch of this as well was also rough. I don't know if it continues to be rough, but uh, like, kind of just broadly explains some of the you know issues you've had on PC with this game as well. <laughs> Oh, yeah, there was like um, one of the recurring bugs I've had is that there's like a one in a third chance that whenever I load up my save, it'll have no HUD and I'll have to back out to the lobby and then hop back into the game to get the HUD to actually show up. There has been stuttering issues on DirectX 12. Uh, I because of course there is. the performance, well, I'm fine with performance, but if I wasn't fine with performance, that would be pretty fucked up considering my rig. Mm-hmm. It's it's a 6900 XT and 5900X. It's like I'm running at 1440p over 120 FPS max settings. Game doesn't look that good. I mean, it looks fine, but for how for how it looks, it doesn't perform nearly as well as it should, especially considering another PC port that uh, I'll be talking about in a little bit. It's just not great. It's 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 a fun game, but and you know they are European devs. It feels like a janky European PC game in a lot of ways, where it's like maybe not the most polished, but it's got a lot, a couple of interesting ideas. It's fun. Hey, we use Eurojank endearingly in this. Yep, in this, on <laughs> yep. the site. Euro, <laughs> yep, Eurojank, but in the endearing, in the endearing way. Ah, it's. Again, hopefully they get fixed. Uh, it, it is a lot of fun once you get further into the game and you have like access to a couple of different like perks and you can kind of chain them together to like kind of destroy a bunch of enemies. And when I did manage to play multiplayer, at least in the demo, it was a lot of fun. So hopefully uh, matchmaking and crossplay get sorted out too because that would be uh, it would be nice to play it with uh, Josh. Yeah. So servers, so so servers and optimization issues aside, like talking about like the gameplay itself. Um, just to briefly recap, like you know the, the premise is that you know you're you're 
colonizing outside of Earth. You land on this planet called Enoch. Enoch is not a, a very friendly place. There's this anomaly storm that happens on it that either either fucks people up really badly or it gives them superpowers. So uh, at the beginning of the game, like there's this whole time skip after first colonizing it that your character comes out of cryosleep after being fatally wounded. But like everything has gone to hell, kind of Mad Max style. It's very it's a lawless land out there and whatnot. So the the main like objective of the game is kind of <laughs> it's a journey to the east. Uh, kind of game where you're traveling from place to place to go uh, get this uh, signal, and um, and there's just whole plot reason behind it. I can't exactly make out heads or tails about why they're doing this, but you know, it's a, it's it's a it's a premise. So they're getting the signal to call down something from orbit, and hopefully things get better. Um, along the way, as you're visiting each region, this game is split up into kind of like um, you have this main camp pre- as you enter a new region and then as you explore outside of that camp to like these uh, other pathways you're planting down these flags that act as fa- fast travel points and then as, as you uh, explore around uh, like uh, everything is sectioned off so like if you have a side quest you can go to off the, the the main path it's like another path where like say you either like cross a bridge or like or pick up this tree trunk to get out of the way or uh, climb this ladder and whatnot to go to a side quest area and then you you be, you uh, kill some dudes along the way. You find the thing you need, or you fight the boss that you need uh, for that side quest. And then you're you're done. You can turn it in, and you can like pick a a reward out of it. Like it gives you three choices of equipment, and you get it. Or you can go along like the main path and continue what you need to do. And at the at the end of each region, there's also like some big fight at the end, uh, and whatnot. Uh, the 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 strength of this game really is people can fly. Um, really kind of you can tell that they really dug down and thought about like the action rpg genre in terms of like what path of exile does what diablo does but other other like you know that what destiny does what other destiny like things do because uh uh uh, the other day brian was watching me play and i I went to the the menu with all the inventory and he's like if you asked me what this game is i would say destiny right away because it's very reminiscent it wears its it looks the same on its like, like the, yeah. the main difference in the UI is that the like equipment slots are rectangular instead of squares. <laughs> oh, that's the tip off. <laughs> yeah, oh. it's it's very subtle. Like I it it, it it's very much uh inspired is the polite way of saying it. But 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 it's uh, but it's effective in the sense that like it took the right lessons from Destiny where like it's easy to navigate around that menu in terms of like what you want to scrap right away or like you, you there's no way you can like accidentally scrap things because how you get rid of things is either either sell them off at vendors or you can scrap them for materials for the crafting system in it so what you do is like you, you highlight things you mark things with like the the right stick on my or the r3 on my controller so and then obviously on pc it's something else it's right click to uh, right mark click. and then you hold down the lead to uh, just uh to uh mass scrap yeah so you can just like do everything in one go after you've marked them or like say you have like these greens that are in your inventory and you want to get rid of all of them you just there's like a little thing at the lower right corner of that inventory screen that shows like here's the rarities you have like five greens three blues two two purples which are epics and they can just say hey uh click all the greens and i okay you get it fast highlights all of them and then you just scrap them right away so it's very easy to like kind of move around that screen once you understand it um 
And also, I what I really dig about this game is how different all the classes feel and their role in combat and how you can uh, synergize them with their abilities. So in this game, uh, I think I've listed it off once, uh, but once again, there's the Pyro, Devastator, Technomancer, and Trickster. Trickster is like your assassin class, Devastator is like your tank class, um, Pyro is like your crazy DPS class that sets everything on fire, and um, Technomancer is like a hangback, keep its distance class that has a turret that you can uh, deploy and whatnot. And uh, for me, I'm, I'm playing Technomancer, and how I play it is different from like all the other, all my other friends who are playing it because. I, I really like sniper rifles in this game. While everyone's like, ah, sniper rifles are shit. I, I don't need that. And I'm like, no, it's doing well for me. You know, I, like uh, because how how each class heals in this game is different from one another. Like Technomancer uh, has like universal life leech, where all my shots will leech HP. All my abilities, like my turret, each shot that it it hits an enemy, it'll leech HP. So like I always have like uh, a good amount of like he- constant healing. And can uh, and can establish like a like a, a territory around me to like keep me safe while I'm sniping and um, going back while uh, everyone else is like oh yeah I like to like rush in and like deploy like my time bubble with the trickster and then slash things with like my uh, this knife ability or my other uh, friend who's like uh, all my shots will mark enemies and uh, and since I'm the pyro class I have an ability that uh, or or weapon mod or whatever that like each person that I mark. I just like ha- flip a skill on, and every every bullet that has hit an enemy, all those enemies will light on fire, and that's how I get my my HP and a lot of damage uh, out as well. And one of my other friends is playing Devastator. He's like, I just ram into things with Earthquake, and that's all I do. You know, it's it's either I fall down or they fall down <laughs> and whatnot. <laughs> so it's it's really cool, like how um, different all the classes are, and uh, they all as you level up in the game. Um, you get more abilities, but you can only ha- uh, have a, a maximum of three abilities equipped at one time. But the it's not. I don't see it much much more of like a limitation. More so, like you're trying, you're you're forced to figure out a build for yourself. Like, how do you want to play? Not not everything is available to you at your disposal, but you can make the most out of these skills because um, after like starting with rares on your on your equipment, you start getting mod slots. And these mod slots can really vary up what you can do. Um, mod slots uh, are depending on rarity. So like rares only have one mod slots, epics have two mod slots, legendaries have three mod slots. And these mod slots can be like, oh, this turns your uh, bullets into ice, or you can, or for uh, your equipment. Uh, quick correction: I think legendaries only have two mod slots. Still, it's just they have higher tier mods. I my friends who have legendaries have three. I've seen screenshots. Oh, oh, I guess okay. Never yeah. mind. Sorry. Yeah. So, um, what do you call us? So, so, so these mod slots can either uh, affect like your your the your weapons in the sense of like it modifies their bullets or like or something about them. Like one of the mod slots could be like when you reload, you'll you'll hit everything around you for this amount of damage when you reload. Meanwhile, like mod slots on your equipment, like your headpiece, your your chest piece and whatnot can affect like your skills. Where like for me, um, one of the mods is like you can have your turret your turret out thirty percent longer, or it'll do more shots. And then this other ability will like give you more armor. Like I have this ability on Technomancer that like if I tap L one, it'll give me a rocket launcher. If I hold L one and release, it'll give me a like a mini gun. <laughs> it's a really really like a crazy skill that I really like going against like 
big tanky enemies face to face with this minigun because it gives you a big defense bonus. And one of the mod slots is like, hey, if you have minigun out, it'll give you a even more of a big armor bonus as well. So you're like basically tanky and unstoppable as long as you're holding that minigun. And that won't go away until you know all your shots are expended. And one of the mod slots for that is as well, or one of the mods for it as well, is you can double the amount of ammo you have on that minigun. So it's like cool, okay. So as you're you're mixing and matching mods, uh, and you can really like do crazy stuff with it. Like one of my submachine guns, like you you're shooting ice bullets, and also uh, your second mod slot on this thing is like if you if you kill them while they're frozen, they'll like explode, and then everything around them will like take a lot of damage. So you're basically building out this gun to make use of that ailment and casting that ailment and making sure that ailment is in place, but to trigger the other mod and whatnot. Yeah. One of my favorite things that I managed to do with one of my builds earlier on was uh, uh, um, putting weakness on an enemy, either through one of my skills using a mod on the skill or um, with a gun itself. Like when you shoot an enemy, they get weak weakened and then bringing out my sniper rifle and just going ham on them with the sniper because it does more damage if they're weakened. And there's like... That's just like a minor aspect of it, but there's like you can go really in depth with just like making OP builds, and it's clearer that people can fly. Really, um, the main focus of Outriders is the freedom to make overpowered builds, and I feel like they've nailed it. Yeah, the the, the this also doesn't have like that weird destiny restriction where you can only equip one exotic. This one, like, hey, you have legendaries, multiple legendaries, go equip them. Like there's no limit to how many legendaries you can have equipped, unlike Destiny, which is still a weird restriction. Uh, it, it's cool also that the crafting system in this game is very flexible and versatile and like freeform. Where like, say you get this, you something drops, you get this uh, epic gun, but it has like two two mods equipped on it, and one of the mods works for you, but the other is like, oh man, this other mod I can't really make use out of it because I don't use this skill or like I don't really use these guns. So in the crafting section. You can actually mod one of those slots to make it so you can change that mod slot to anything else you want. The only restriction is, is that once you mod modify like say mod slot two, you can no you can no longer do anything for mod slot one because you've committed to mod slot two. Um, and so like I can give that freezing bullets if I wanted to, but that means that I can no longer mess with mod slot one. One, which is it, that's fine, you know. That at least it gives me like I'm not totally boned. If I if I got the wrong drop, it still gives me like a way to like still use this gun and like have like things that fav that are favorable to my build. And it doesn't feel I have, I it doesn't feel grindy. Sorry, I was saying I haven't played in over a year, but what you just described with like this hot swapping of of talents on your weapon, only with some limitations. Division two had a very similar system, and that was kind of like a key part of Endgame was getting what you need in order to swap out stuff to more closely fit like your ideal build go ahead james yeah i was just gonna say that i i it was also in division one that sort of system but it was very restrictive and you kind of had to have like specific attachments uh in your inventory to equip them the way it works in outriders is that i think it's pretty much every mod that you've like seen or i think you have to dismantle uh, yeah, yeah, equipment if you if you've dismantled a piece of equipment with the mod, you can you um you can use that mod for any mod swap. 
Oh yeah, that's definitely a bit more freeform. Yeah, yeah. And it's not it's not consumable too. It's not like oh, I swapped this like I dismantled this gun with this mod that had like my turret deal, dealing more damage. It's not like a it's not like I got one of that. It's like that's permanently unlocked. You can now use that for any time for any gun at any time in the game. Now uh, it's not like oh, I consumed one of that. Now I have to go farm one to, with that mod slot again. That's kind of um, cool to have it like tied to your account where you're like, yeah, I've put. 50 60 hours into this so now i've so now i've got a bunch of talents like registered i guess is a good way to put it to my account so now i have flexibility to i might have i might have scrapped i'm speaking hypothetically because i haven't played this game but i can see like oh i scrapped this weapon that had a mod that i didn't want to use at the time but now i'm thinking i'm going to try it good thing i've already got it like on hand like yeah. access to it so now i can now i can mess with it exactly and then there's just other things you can do too with the crafting system where you can like increase the rarity of things like for a uh, for a resource like hey i literally like this epic gun or this not this epic uh, this rare gun and i want to bump it up to an epic i don't think you can go from epic to legendary but uh like so i want to uh, you can it. okay okay cool so uh, so you can do that you can also upgrade like the, the substats on it. it's like oh uh, i want this to do more close range damage so you can up like upgrade that stat i want this to do more like life leech so you can upgrade that as long as it's like well, actually, Still no, you can't go from epic to legendary. Legendary is the gold one, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you, yeah. legendaries are like unique models and all that, so you can't do that, but yeah. Mm -hmm. So that, that's that's really cool. Like, just the, the main, like, why this game is so enjoyable is because of how, how freeform, like, your build can be and how freeform the action can be. And seeing, like, the, the fruit of your labor pay off. Like, you have, a, you have an idea in your head, you want to test it out. And it's like, oh, it works the way that I wanted it to. Very cool. I'm, I'm going to go spec in that direction then. Um, other than that, you have, you know, each class has their own, like, uh, skill tree um, that, like, branches off, like, into three paths, and they kind of intertwine with each other at some points. So there's even, like, you know, you have your, you get uh, class points as you level up. You can spend and them in that. And you, can, and you can go for it. And I was, you're probably just going to say this, yeah. but like, even like the skill tree, like you can respec at any time. Yeah, it's just one button. Just like, hey, you want to respec? Okay, go for it. We'll refund all your That's cool. class points. That's really yep. cool. So, like, you're, you, you are very encouraged to experiment. They're, they're, you're not really losing anything by experimenting. Um, the, the really neat part about this game, too, is like there's adaptive difficulty. There's these things called world tiers in the game. So, as you're, um, you know, progressing through the game, beating up enemies and whatnot. Not only do you have like your character's level, but you have world tier levels. And it's kind of like Diablo where the higher the level or the higher the world tiers you are, the enemies will get tougher, but you'll get uh, better loot along the way. Uh, for, so as long as you're challenging yourself, you'll get rewarded uh, as you keep on going. And you can, and you, and if you can like modify that at any time where say like, oh man, this boss fight is too hard on this world tier. Let me go bump it just uh, down just one for this boss fight to progress through it, then bump it back up. And that that's really like neat about like you know just being able to customize the difficulty to, to your liking and not really like getting penalized too hard for it. So and you can like, even set it to adaptive, so it'll automatically like once you've unlocked a new uh, world tier, it'll bump it up. But if you die too many times, it'll bump it down. So it's like it's it's a good way that the game itself kind of balances itself around like how good the player is and how well they're doing. It it it's neat. Yeah, yeah. It's 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 a lot of fun. I've been really enjoying it. You know, hopefully the server is stabilized to a point where it won't get disconnected so much. I, I'm planning to put, you know, I've kind 
I'm planning to put a lot of hours in this game. It seems, seems really fun. Uh, I'm really curious what that really curious what the end game looks like because uh, there's not a games as a service game. So seeing what kind of uh, treadmill there is at the end of the game is. Um, I, I think the only the only weird part about the game, which kind of amuses me more than anything, is kind of like the tone of it. Because uh, your your main character, you can make you can make a, a male or female main character, but whoever whatever you decide to make, they're always going to be a dick. Like they have their own personality, they have their own, and whatnot, and they they speak, uh, and it's kind of they're not a silent protagonist, but they're just like a dick. It's like the main oh. character is done with this shit. They thought yeah. they were gonna die. They were put into cryo. They wake up to a hellhole, and they're like, ah, here we go again. Yeah. So like a, a lot of the side quests are more amusing than they need because he like he like reluctantly re- like accepts that like oh I guess I'll do it. Like one of the one of the side quests for me was um, you had to uh, fend off this guy in a porta potty from like incoming bugs, and then because you need something from that guy, and he's just like oh, nope, I'm not coming up till 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 uh, the the sun rises, or you can go. Uh, put put on the power generator, and then you put on the power generator. A whole bunch of bugs, like wake up and swarm you, and it's just like this is so ridiculous. And there's even more ridiculous stuff in there. And they're very, they're very tongue in cheek with the humor in terms of like not even um, uh, what happens like in the story and side quest itself, but very in the flavor text as well. Like at, once you reach the second town, you'll unlock these uh, new mission modes or side quests called uh, bounties. And uh, these bounties are just, hey, go backtrack to an area, find this like bounty poster, pick it up, and go to that area and go kill this bounty, and you'll uh, get some uh, loot out of it as a reward. And so, uh, some of these names are, are are funny. Like one of them is like uh, the Bloody Baron is a bounty in this game, um, and and also some of like the the names of the epic weapons you get. Like one of the names of the weapons is Fatal Morgana, and it's like okay. <laughs> All right, you guys are just having fun. I wasn't yeah, expecting this podcast to have such a big focus on Outriders, but it sounds like it's outside. I, so we started off on the, all the issues that it's had with its launch and all those problems, but you guys have been pretty glowing about it for the last you know, 20 minutes or so. I feel like I should be clear. It is not a fantastic game. It's just a game that, again, it's, it's double A, it's not as it's not super polished, but it does have a lot of interesting ideas. Despite the server issues, the developers have been really like forthright with what they were trying to do. It feels like it wears its heart on its sleeve, so it's really easy to just get endeared by it. Yeah, that like uh, like the strength of it is the gameplay, and like not 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 much else outside of like the 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 strength of the gameplay and like how freeform the mod system is like it's still it's just a fun game to play like you you look at it it's like the music's not really memorable the characters are kind of all dicks the environments are like bland but you know it works but i'm you know it, it's still it, that's that's what i wanted out of the game just i just wanted a fun game to play and i got it yep All right, before we move on to news, was there... Oh, yeah, there was one other thing, at least, that James wanted to talk about that he teased earlier. Okay, uh, well, two things. I'll make it quick. Uh, I did play through Deedlet and Wonder Labyrinth. Uh, if you're listening to the podcast and you keep up with our casual mode series, you'll remember that one of our very first ones was uh, Record of Lodos War, Deedlet and Wonder Labyrinth. Uh, 
we played through it. Well, we played through the at the time early access version when I think the first two regions were in the game. It's out of early access now. It came out earlier this week, I think, or last week, something like that. Uh, so yeah, I played through the full release. I thought it was it was good, but probably my least favorite Team Ladybug game, which is kind of disappointing because I really enjoyed uh, Synchronicity Prologue. I really enjoyed Toho Luna Nights. Uh, but I'm pushing out a review later. Well, probably next week at this point. Uh, I wasn't sure if I was going to do a video review, but I recorded footage and I recorded a voiceover. So it's like I'm already halfway there, so I might as well. <laughs> um, but, it's, so yeah. but it sounds like it won't need to. So you also did the Monster Hunter Rise video review. So you're going to be yeah. two in a row for us. Well, actually three in a row for us if you go back to Hero Must Die. Yeah. Uh, but uh, so this is the Metroidvania type game the one that wears the uh alucard walking animation on its sleeve at least it did for the uh, and the back and the back dash (laughs) and the back dash so yeah but your main takeaway when you were discussing this in our staff chat was mainly just because was mainly that this game just felt super brief like the early access was most of like we played through that it was a couple hours and that was like there wasn't any surprises waiting for you in the main game. Well, it wasn't even so much the length. It is short, but it's about the same length as To Luna Nights, at least before they added in that one more additional area down the line. The problem is, though, is that Luna Nights, and God, I I don't want to get too into depth because the review itself is fairly short, like 900 words. Uh, I think the best way to kind of sum things up is that Luna Nights, despite it only being like four hours long, it felt like the game was constantly trying new things with its time slowdown and time stop mechanic throughout the entire runtime. Whereas everything that I showed you guys in the casual mode with what the what uh, Deedlet and Wonder Labyrinth does with the Ikaruga style like color shift mechanic and the bow like puzzle solving. The game doesn't really deviate from that or even expand upon it in any meaningful way past what I showed you guys. And that that's, that's the a, first that's two regions in the game. And that means there's four more regions where level design is not amazing. There's like glimpses of cool ideas they had that just never get expanded upon. Still a fun game. Still worth playing but unlike luna nights where i'd say if you're a metroidvania fan go out of your way to play it i'd say deedlet and wonder labyrinth is one of those games where it's like okay if you have literally no other metroidvanias to play it's 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 worth playing it's just yeah it's it's Um, got tough competition basically pretty much pretty much uh the more interesting game that released this week was uh a lot of pc gamers don't like the epic game store that's fine uh, Kingdom Hearts 3 and well, Woo-hoo! the rest of the Kingdom Hearts series came out on PC this week. And surprisingly enough, like uh, apparently there are some issues with 1.5 and 2.5 because uh, Brian, you've been playing them, and apparently there's stuff with like interpolated frame rates above 60 FPS, which was like a similar issue that the Master Chief Collection had, I think. At least it's weird because it, like, first of all, for both 1.5, 2.5, and 3. I always play games on like a borderless window, mainly because I have multiple monitors and that helps make it conducive that I can click out easily to like Discord or Twitter and click back. But for whatever reason, both of these games, when you play in a borderless window, it likes to default to 1080p, which is fine if you have a 1080p monitor. But if you've got a bigger monitor, that means it like shrinks on your on your display or whatever. But that can be alleviated by just saying like, all right, I'll just play in full screen, whatever. Um, But the bigger issue with 
Kingdom Hearts 1.5 and 2.5, I think it's just legacy stuff from the games themselves, not from the ports, really, is that I, I was playing it at above 60 FPS, around around 90 or so, but whenever there's a cutscene or whenever the camera control is taken away from you, the frame rate kind of jumps around. Some of the some of the cinematics are 30. Some of them, for some reason, were stuck at 60. And then I hadn't encountered this, but I guess during some gameplay, if your frame rate is high enough, it does have like this interpolation problem where it's it's kind of like faking frames in between frames to to run at that frame rate at some sort. It's so it's the sort of game where like maybe this would have been better if it was just capped at 60 and it would be kind of understandable due to just the legacy of these games being almost 20 years old. Like it would, I think it would be understandable. It's cool that you can have the unlocked, but it just kind of comes with some weird caveats where you got to be expected whenever the camera control is taken away that you're going to jump all over the place. It's alleviated a bit if you've got a G-Sync monitor, but maybe this is all too much in the weeds. Just the fact that I can load up my PC and play Kingdom Hearts is kind of insane, kind of crazy. Especially when we get to the uh, Kingdom Hearts 3, which I haven't played it as much as you have, but being a more modern game on Unreal Engine 4, it actually has taken to PC quite well. I would, say, so. I would say this is one of the best PC ports I've played in a long time. It's yes. like really, it's really impressive. Like it's got a really solid options menu. It's got uncapped frame rate. It's got arbitrary resolution support. It's, well, it's supposed to have arbitrary resolution support. Apparently, people are having issues with Super Earth Ride, but I'm not a madman. I'm not a madman that <laughs> tries to run that resolution. Though I could, because this game runs smooth as butter. It's impressive. Like obviously, again, I have a super top of the line PC, but at max settings, I'm hitting like an average of 110, 120 FPS at an internal resolution of 4K at max settings, which I'm pretty sure, like the console like equivalent settings, is supposed to be medium. Don't quote me on that. Wait until Digital Foundry like figures it out for sure, which I'm sure they're going to take a look at this port. It's really good. It's really good. It's I didn't really have expectations for this port because Square Enix and PC hasn't had the best history, but I wouldn't be surprised if uh, Epic actually directly helped with this port because it's EGS exclusive. It's Unreal Engine. And uh, it it shows it's again, I, I'm going to play through more of it and I'm going to do a full PC review for uh, Kingdom Hearts three down the line. But uh, if you've wanted to play Kingdom Hearts three and you haven't played it, or if you wanted to explore the series on PC, it seems like there's a few issues with 1.5 and 2.5, but it's still a decent port. But Kingdom Hearts three, fantastic port. It's two thumbs up. Is George going to build a PC now for it? I am. Yes. Music, music to my ears. I just hope they do like a next gen port. That'd be that'd be sick. Well, that that's I, I originally played okay. uh, Kingdom Hearts three on a base PS four because I didn't get my PS four Pro until Final Fantasy seven remake. So like, and also on top of that, I never replayed through the game when they added some of the critical mode stuff. So I'm like, you know what? Maybe this is my excuse to replay through Kingdom Hearts three. Even though I know I didn't really love the game, but I liked it well enough. So I could see myself replaying through it just to enjoy the high frame rate and the higher effects and things like that. Critical and even though I spent a lot of game, it's so, so, so much better. Well, I, I want to experience what some of the, uh, obviously it has the Remind DLC attached to it as well. So I kind of want to, I played through that on Proud and that was tough enough. And now I've heard the nightmare of Adam playing through it on Critical. So like, I have that to potentially look forward to. 
And then I know I spent it some took time me like a top. whole weekend to beat that final final remind <laughs> boss on critical. Right, okay, no, that actually that actually sounds kind of intimidating. Maybe I won't do that. But uh, um, the, for the for the one point five two point five, I bet you that a lot. I didn't spend a ton of time in it, but I bet if you just tapped it at sixty, it would probably feel pretty good. Even if your monitor supports higher than that, if you just don't want to deal with as much frame rate wonkiness, just I bet a cap there would make it pretty smooth and. That's nitpicking. That like I didn't have any other really issues with that. Oh, imagine playing your sixty FPS. This uh, a very a choppy <laughs> sixty frames per second. Can't believe it Can't on my PC. <laughs> also, uh, there there is also obviously a two point eight and melody of memory on PC. So I I don't think they're as high a value proposition, but they're there. They're choices. They're choices. They're games. Choices. <laughs> they are. They're, they are choices. Melody of memory is really good. Two point eight is okay. If you want to specific, if you want to specifically play a Kingdom Hearts rhythm game on PC instead of playing better better rhythm games that are on PC like DJ Max Respect V. But two point eight is My just yeah. Uh, oh, what's in two point eight? It's Dream Drop, Dream Distance. Drop, and two point uh, zero point two, and that cutscene compilation for um Unchained, the mobile game. Yeah. yeah, so it's so basically it's, it's, it's not Kingdom Hearts three demo like stuff where he plays Aqua for like an hour and that's it. It's not great, but yeah, this was this was the. Uh, I, I don't consider myself a big Kingdom Hearts fan. I'm a fan of the genre and I'm a fan of the series, but not like huge. But th- for whatever reason, this was the game that got me to download and make an account on the Epic Game Store. So it has that going for it. I can't believe it. All right, Josh, mm-hmm. you put in, you put in here dumb life decisions. Okay, so before I get to that, yeah, before oh, before no, I get to that, um, I d- I just want to mention, I guess our, our last mention for a while. Um, la- last podcast, I barely got the high rank in Monster Hunter Rise. Uh, I have now put probably over fifty hours into Monster Hunter Rise since it's launched last Friday. Um, I consumed that game. It consumed my life for like a good weekend and maybe like three days after. Um, I've I pretty much did every like I'm at HR seven. I beat the final HR uh, Hunter rank seven boss. I still need to like uh, do some clean on the on the village stuff because it's separated between the village and the HUD, um, and that's like the village of single player stuff. So I I really 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 enjoyed that game, but it like James mentioned uh, last podcast in his review, it definitely has like a limited lifespan at the moment. Where you, I'm kind of at this end point where like I'm not really. Mo- I-, I could go and expand, like, you know, try out other weapons or make new elemental hammers, even though I have, like, a good build going for me. Um, I- I- I'll do that, like, gradually uh, in preparation for new content. But, like, r- right now, I'm just, like, I'm not feeling further motivation to, like, grind as hard as I did because I kind of exhausted um, the content that-, that that's available now. It was all really fun, and I really enjoyed my time with it. Um, like God knows how. Like the people in this call know that whenever I, I like I streamed a lot of Monster Hunter in our uh, Discord staff channel, um, and that those went on for like almost all day um, consistently. Both Josh here and uh, another uh, staff, uh, Alex Seedhouse, were basically ruining their sleep schedules for Monster Hunter for a solid five days. It was yeah. amazing. <laughs> yeah. So we we really. Uh... We really consumed that game, but yeah, it was it was a lot of fun. I can't wait to for it to have new uh, more content. Camellios coming out 
late April along with uh, Apex Rathalos and then whatever they have down the line. You know, so I'm, it's definitely one of those games that I want to make a better effort keeping up with post-launch uh, content because World, I never uh, did that. Like when Raging came out, when all the other monsters came out in World, like I just, I kind of, I was all, I already fell off and it, it, I felt double burned also because I had to like restart on PC. Then like I was waiting for Iceborne on PC and like it, that was like a weird, like, I thing, think, but... I think both Josh and I are kind of, have the same mindset where we kind of want to milk out outriders for as long as we can before the uh, rise update hits. Yeah, I, but there'll be there'll be other games along the way too. Uh, too like uh, Nier is coming out that near re-release, um, and like I think Nocturne is in a month. And hey, yeah. uh, Returnal at the end of this month. A reason sure. for us to touch our PS fives. I know, right? Eh. Well, I I'm, I'm touching my PS five. I have I'm running outriders on PS five, so it's getting use out of me. Even though I, I'm I'm scared for it because now that we we finally reached summer here in Southern California, there's no spring in Southern California anymore. Once it's, yeah. it's April, it's summer. So yeah, just I, just this week I was like, oh, it, it was cold two weeks ago. Now I have to turn on the AC. <laughs> yeah, it's it's insane. So now so now that we're reaching our uh, summer period, and now we have PS5s with us, having a PS5 on while it's hot outside, and we're, we're it's it's concerning <laughs> that tempting fate yeah ps5 outputs a lot of heat when it's on um yeah uh, so rise pretty good i really like monster Hunter rise looking forward to um playing more of it i think i think it's still it's still really funny when i played with my other set of friends they, they realize real fast really fast during the rampages the tower defense sessions like oh let's just jo- make josh be the planner he'll, he'll do all the installations he'll be the builder we're good <laughs> like God damn it! I'm, of course, I'm the tower defense player of the of the group. <laughs> um, uh, yeah. So as uh, Brian alluded to earlier, uh, yesterday I made some dumb life decisions. Um, over the past week, I think just barely either yesterday or the day before, uh, Apple Arcade came out with a lot of surprise releases. I mean, Fantasian Part One oh. came out; we knew that was coming. <laughs> but also out of nowhere, Platinum Games uh, came out. Uh, with World of Demons uh, through uh, an Apple Arcade exclusive. Now, this this really surprised me because World of Demons was being pitched around as a a mobile gotcha game uh, for iOS and Android a few uh, like maybe two to three years ago, and like it hit like games media outlets and hands on impressions and stuff. I'm like, oh, that's that's crazy because I thought this thing was canceled because after that initial uh, surge in media, that like they just went silent. It was just like you never heard about this game again. I'm like, did they just silently cancel it and just like hoping that everyone forgot? What is going on with this game? You never I, heard about that game again after that. I was like, is this like another Lost Order, which is like now the what I think now still is the canceled game between Platinum Games and Psy Games? Like Lost Order, you know, who knows what happened to that? But that's what I thought World of Demons uh, turned into. But out of nowhere, it just released this week without without much marketing at all. I, I love how this was announced after the uh, Grand Blue game, after Bayonetta 3, and I think after, what's the name of that Square Enix game they were working on? Oh, um, the, Babylon Fall. Yeah, Babylon Fall. Yeah. It was announced after all of those, and yet it was the first one to release. <laughs> yeah, so, so I was like, oh my god, uh, I, 
I kind of want to play like I now have like two decent reasons, even though I've, even though I already said I was like I'll wait for Fantasian Part Two or the final part or whatever to maybe think about this purchase. And then once I heard that World of Demons came out of nowhere, I'm like, <gasps> so I bought an Apple TV 4K uh, yesterday and set it up, and I I want to start playing through those games at some point. But yeah, I, I have. The good thing about it is it comes with a three-month subscription to Apple Arcade already. So there's, I guess, my deadline before I have to go pay them $5 a month. Um, and I touched a little bit of uh, World of Demons. I haven't gotten to Fantasian yet because I know it's a longer game. Uh, I'll, I want to spend some time with it, though. Uh, but World of Demons is really interesting because it's... You can definitely tell it was initially a gotcha game that was retrofitted into becoming a, a, a real mobile game without microtransactions. Um, this is, I guess, the gameplay would be best described as like a bare bones bayonetta with Okami esque visuals, but has like a deck building sort of element to it in the middle of the action. So, how it is, it's much like in Okami, it has like a very, very watercolor visual style and when you get into like these encounters with demons and through this like linear stage it'll like expand like uh, like a battle arena around you for that encounter and like in platinum games fashion you have uh i play with a dual shock 4 i paired my dual shock for my apple tv and the the x button is attack and the r2 is dodge and that that's like the the very basic controls so uh you know you have your your uh light combo strings and then you can hold down X for a heavy, uh, a heavy blow, a heavy strike, and then uh, just like um, in other platinum games, where you can do, you can dodge enemy attacks, but if you uh, there's a, a timing to it where if you uh, do an instant dodge, like you dodge right before an enemy hits you, you do a special like counterattack animation where like you kind of teleport behind the enemy and slash down diagonally towards it to stun them and whatnot. So the other element to this game is. Um, after you, you complete a stage, or after you complete like kind of like these in-game achievements, you can be rewarded with uh, yokai to uh, deploy in battle. Like the enemies that you defeat, they like join you, kind of like Pokemon style. And in the middle of combat, you can like use the these yokai uh, abilities with either uh, square or triangle. You can have two yokai with you at once um, to to help you out. They're kind of like casting magic spells, kind of like uh, and they, they, they're either fire, wind, or or ice element, and of course, like a like a, a like most gacha games, it has like this uh, elemental weakness system where like red beats green, green beats blue, blue means uh, blue beats red, and whatnot. And then on the side, light red. There's separate light and dark elements that cancel out each other as well. So, um, so as you as you're progressing through the game, you get like new like. Uh, weapons for the, your character, the, your samurai character. He has like these katanas that he collects, and some are fire katanas, some are ice katanas. So your your elemental affinity, along with your uh, demons, really factors in like how well you um, combat enemies, like how much damage you're dealing. Obviously, you want to stock up. Uh, you want to have a good balance uh, to deal with any situation and any demon that you find, uh, depending on the stage. And so yeah, you, the you can like kind of combine uh, these demons together because during combat, sometimes an enemy will like drop their orb as well, 
and like and th these are similar to like the demons that you equip that join you but those are permanently with you and are on a cooldown meanwhile these uh these items that the or orbs that the demons drop they 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 join your deck but only temporarily because once you hit circle to activate them they they consume it instead of being on a cooldown so there's a there'll be moments where like you have this demon like say i have a kappa on on square button and then i have collected another kappa in the middle of combat but it's a consumable you can actually use these two simultaneously uh because it'll show like an icon uh, between square and circle, uh, they, there's like there's a golden link between them, and what you have to do is like the the, the controller configuration is very weird because at, at this instance that I'm describing, you would have to hold square and circle for like a, like a second, and then like it'll charge the uh, charges gauge up uh, between them, and then you let go and they, they do like a combination big attack uh, that'll that'll both consume uh, consume both of them, consume your cooldown and consume the consumable orb that you you retrieved and 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 this uh the deck building comes in like after you consume that you can like store other orbs in between them so like the next one the, the next one in order will come up so like say after i consume that blue kappa orb like a green um i don't know a, a green suchigomo uh uh card comes out or a green orb comes out because i collected that and if i just happen to have that green Suchiguma orb with me as a or yokai with me as like a a, a permanent one like th those will be linked like the triangle and the circle one will be linked and then you can either choose them choose to operate them separately or do them in a big combo attack so it's kind of it has like a lot of like it's weirdly complex for like the scope of the game and i, I really wonder how that would have translated to like on-screen controls as a gacha game and it's kind of weird because it has the it has like the foundations and the pillars of a gacha game. You get these multiple currencies, and you can see like if you um, after the stage, if you get a duplicate of a of a yokai that you already own, they'll be converted into resources that you can use to you know enhance them. So like I'll and like the menu is very much looks like what you'd see like if you're booting a mobile gacha game as well. And it's teasing out like you know in silhouettes in your character uh, page that there's like three other playable characters. As well with different weapons, so I'm really interested to see the scope of this game. Um, I'm very, I'm very early into it right now, so I want to continue to like uh, talk about it as I get uh, further in, and along with Fantasian when I get around to it. But I'm kind of impressed. It's kind of snappy. It feels good. It lo it looks it looks quite nice for uh, a mobile I don't game. I don't think you did this deliberately, but I think you undersold how much this is evocative of Okami. So it's like a, it's a third person perspective. It's got the exact same art style, at least to my memory. I'm I haven't like looked at Okami in ten years, but uh, I'm watching some gameplay from IGN on YouTube as you were talking, and it's got like the same sort of like setup where the battle is discrete, where you're surrounded by these like purple fog slash flames, then you fight you know three or four demons, uh, and then yeah, I'm looking at some the of the comments. Yeah, it's got the same like painterly art style. And then, like, the first four comments on this gameplay video I'm watching are, this is here for people who love Okami. This makes me want an Okami sequel. Getting Okami vibes. So this game looks like Okami. It just, it does. Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> so. it's a, it, it, you know, it's, it's a very basic setup for the story. It's like, you're 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 the samurai that's looking for Shuten Doji because this whole backstory of, like, you know, in mythology, um, uh, there, there's these guardians that sealed off this demon, and now these, uh, this demon is resurrected again. And uh, yeah, and then it, it's kind of a bare bones setup. It's not like 
you're there for the platinum games action. It, it's it delivers well enough. I, I think uh, I think it does. It can get it can feel repetitive at the moment because I'm still in the early goings of it. So I'm, I'm interested to see how it varies itself up. But it's it's a weird out of nowhere release that's solid enough. I think that um, yeah, it, it it got me it got me to shell out two hundred plus dollars. And yeah, here I am. I, I do like I have I'm kind of like with Adam here where I was interested in Fantasia and I've talked about it a fair bit on the last couple of podcasts, but I'm also just kind of like waiting for part two, which I know you said you were like you had this extra incentive to play World of Demons. So that's why you went ahead and jumped in right now. I guess I don't like I have an iPhone, so I could play either of these right now, but I like I'd want to play them on a TV. So I'm like, eh, so is Apple 4K TV the way to do that? It it might might be bad. It's <laughs> well, how much? Like it. How much was it, anyways? It, it was two hundred dollars for an Apple four K TV, and it's like I think it's like twenty dollars less if you don't want the four K stuff for the four K model. Man, so, man, and it's running both those games fine. Yeah, it's it's running the the at least at least fuck. World, World, World of Demons is a solid <laughs> sixty. It looks really good. And then I, I was the uh, me and Adam have a we we know a colleague now whose uh, screen name is Ayana. And I was asking her, you know, how's the uh, technical performance of Fantasia on Apple TV? Oh, she was testing it out. And she's like, yeah, it's a solid 60 FPS. Looks great. Runs fine. Really enjoying it. I'm like, all right. Man. (laughs) Exactly, right? I talked myself into this, and now I'm just letting people know. So I know you... I I, I thought uh... my only option was to get, like, one of those Mac minis. But hearing that the Apple TV is more than enough for it, it's like, shit. Yeah, it's fine. And, 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 And James, you got your, you got your three months of Disney Plus... From uh, from Kingdom Hearts three, you can use that too. Yeah, I'm just using my PS4 controller as well for it. It works totally fine. Can uh-huh. I get this at Best Buy? Can I get this at Best Buy? <laughs> <laughs> World of Demons. It's a it's a neat looking surprise out of nowhere. Yeah. So with that, we'll move on to news. Is am I safe to say that? Am I boxing anyone out? <laughs> I'm just right. waiting to see James' reaction. I'm also kind of interested in James' reaction. <laughs> There's an open box Apple TV 4K at my local Best Buy for uh, for $170. You sound as so sad. That, that this is gonna as, soon as, yeah, as soon as you get that, it'll be announced for consoles. That is, yeah, that, that that's $30 less, but it's it, if it runs fine, like that sounds like an okay deal. I mean, like I said, like uh, I, I you uh, get three months of Apple Arcade for free as well. So I, I was like, do I have to subscribe right away? It's like, oh no, I. How I, much? How much is it to subscribe if you don't get the freebie? It's five dollars a month. Oh, that's not bad. Yeah. Uh, this isn't pulling a Stadia thing where you have to pay for the game too, right? Uh, n- no, you just get it. You just subscribe mm-hmm. to the service and you get it. That's oh it. man, and I just realized this will give me a, a good way a good way to play uh Sky on a TV too, because I could oh, never yeah. get Samsung uh um whatever it's called. I could never get it working on uh like connected to PC. Apparently you need a uh type C to display port cable and I can't fucking find one. So, oh. so well, uh, I mean I I don't whether to uh, say I'm happy for you or I'm sorry, James. Uh so of course, throughout the course of that uh, of the games we've been playing section, we talked about uh, Adam at the very top talked about his review of 
Savior, Saviors of Sapphire Wings and Stranger of Sword City. He spoke about it. I linked on the podcast last week, and we have that review up on the site. We also talked about The Outer Worlds Murderer on Ariadanos today on this podcast, and he also wrote up a written review for that on the site. One thing we didn't talk about is that Alex Donaldson did write also a preview for the upcoming Near Replicant remaster. So that is also up on the site at the top of the banner. It's also it's coming out later this year, later this month. Sorry, obviously. And so he wrote a he wrote a nice detailed preview for that game. Uh, it's the main thing that he took away from it was that he loves the update to its art style because near when it first released was in the middle of that generation where everything was brown and muddy and blurry and not pleasing to look at. And he thinks that is the clear biggest upgrade for the near remaster later this month. So go ahead and give that a read. We do also, of course, have the feature that fell out of last week's discussion about the closing of the PlayStation 3, PlayStation P, portable, PlayStation P again. I was at it again. Uh, <laughs> the PlayStation uh, Vita yeah. stores. Uh, so we at the very tail end of that, we talked about, hey, maybe we're wrong and maybe this is all fear-mongering. Turns out that's not the case. It's true. The store will be shutting down uh, in July and August for the different stores. So we do still have up on the site, of course, the list of all the RPGs that we could find and think of for both the global stores and the Japanese stores that yeah. if you want to grab them and get them into your uh, download history. So because once you purchase them, you should be able to download them forevermore. Well, not once say forevermore, even after the store uh, shuts down. But you'll only have until July or August to do that. So on our site, one of the top banners, we do have the list of Exclusive RPGs to for PlayStation One, PlayStation Two, PlayStation Three, PlayStation Portable, and PlayStation Vita that will no longer be purchasable after this summer. So, unfortunately, we were correct, and I'm glad that Adam and Josh and Kite and so many other people contributed to putting those lists together. Uh, just it's a bummer. Yes, it's yeah. The, like it, it uh, can't be uh, understated. Like it wasn't just us. It's definitely like you know you, the the listeners, the fans. <laughs> some people in the comments, some people on social media. It's like, hey, you're forgetting this, or don't forget this. Like, you know, we didn't build it ourselves. Like we're everyone's contributing. Yeah, it's really cool to see like uh, you know us us working together and collaborating together, like making sure that like people are informed and uh, making sure they don't miss out because because there's a there's a lot of hidden gems that's like not easily searchable. Uh, on the on the store that you just forget or it's like oh i didn't know that that actually went up. it's still up on the store that does remind me of published yesterday uh or was it yesterday or was it earlier today yesterday um vgc analysis 2000 digital only games will disappear when the playstation closes its stores uh, so it's yeah. just it's a Jesus. bummer yeah because obviously we only focus on rpgs really but like there's tons of other games that we didn't even consider that are going to be gone. Just Absolutely. And with that, we'll go into the news section. Like I said at the top, there's not a ton here, but let's just jump in and see what we decide to stick with in terms of discussion and deliberation. We did get, and this is something maybe for James, the trailer for the upcoming Final Fantasy XIV 5.5 patch death unto dawn so this is the last post Shadowbringers pre and walker update for final Fantasy 14 though i don't know how much so the we way can it discuss this without spoiling it or yeah how so, do we tactically approach this so 
we're going to get the last um, Alliance raid in the Near Alliance raid series um, with this patch, which is basically the major content that's being added. There's also going to be another trial added for the Sorrows of Werelit uh, um, trial series. Uh, I don't think there's going to be another trial added for the MSQ because I think, well, I don't think, so the way it works is, is that the final patch for any of the Final Fantasy XIV expansions is split into two. So this is the first half of the patch, and then there's going to be a second half of it that's like the last couple of quests, like a couple of weeks before Endwalker comes out, I think. So there's that. Um, again, not too much to say. There's going to be more housing, so uh, rev up them housing P that housing PvP. Uh, I'm I'm, I'm glad that I'm a part of the uh, the uh, free company that all of the uh, RPG site and XRPG site folks are in because they already have a maximum size house. So it's like, mess me with that. I, I, I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> as, as someone that's completely ignorant to this, but I watched the trailer anyways because I don't YOLO. Uh, the coolest thing to me about this yeah, is the new trial where you're on the. Uh, so this is me just this is me trying to glean information from a game I haven't played. Uh, where, a new trial where you're like on the airship fighting diamond weapon. I'm just like that's neat. Yep. Um, but yeah, not too much to say if you're a Final Fantasy 14 fan and you're caught up. Not much to say because you're already excited. You're excited to figure out exactly what's going to happen with Endwalker, because, like, we're going to have a pretty good idea with, like, the state things are going to be in when we start, like, in the fall. That's going to be interesting. I, Yeah. So you haven't talked about Final Fantasy XIV in a while, but you're you're at a place where you're ready for this, right? Like, you're going to jump in as soon as this yes. launches? Yes. Right, and you're, kinda, you're, at, you're at the finish line waiting. I'm, to, I'm really excited for this, because I it'll be my first time playing a fourteen expansion at launch. So... Yeah, you'll be alongside the swarm of locusts that goes in. Like I say that endearingly. As soon as the, as soon as the <laughs> do they go down for maintenance like before these release, or is it just like hot uploaded and then? Oh no, they go down for maintenance before the release. Ah. Um, usually for major patches, uh, they have at least like usually a little less than a day worth of maintenance for major patches. Uh, for minor patches, it's usually a little bit less. Um, but obviously, I don't know how long the maintenance is for major expansions. I'd imagine that it's at least similar to major patches. Probably a little longer than that, though. But yeah, again, I, I haven't experienced it yet, so we'll see. I do know that apparently when Stormblood released, there was a lot of server issues. Shadowbringers wasn't as much of an issue, but I feel like there might be some of that with, with Endwalker when it releases, just because... and. <sighs> We don't have the hard numbers to back it up, but I'm sure everyone can kind of get the vibe that I'm getting that 14 has exploded in popularity with how well like Shadowbringers has been received. I mean, you're you're a you're a veteran server issue uh, person now, so you're good. You can withstand any server issues if you can withstand outright outriders issues. By the way, I forget if I forgot to say this, but this 5.5 is releasing on April 13th, yeah. and also that is when the PlayStation 5 update beta will release. And they showed, I know that they showed off some of the new loading times 
that, that comes alongside that and all the different updates for that. So, but you've been playing this on PC, so that doesn't affect you, right? Oh yeah, I already have the game on an NVMe drive, so it doesn't matter. I, I think they also showed off like the recent producer letter, like PS5 footage of FF14, right? Yep. Yeah, uh, it looks to be max settings PC, which I mean, you'd hope. Yeah. <laughs> looks nice. Yep. But it's cool that they also are looking into uh, tapping into the uh, SSD speed for the PS5. Hopefully, after, well, not that I care too much myself, but hopefully, after the PS5 version is out and Endwalker is released, they can finally follow up on that teased. Kind of, but not really promised Xbox version because, like, what's up with that? <laughs> How much? Okay, I guess the big issue would, on the PS5 version would be space. How much space does FF14 take these days? Uh, FF14, let me just check my folder really quick. Space is always a premium on PS5 until who knows at this point. Spurnick, Final Fantasy 14, Realm Reborn properties. It takes up 50 gigabytes. Oh God! Well, that is yeah. actually pretty good that's considering not, it's not on its bad. its third expansion. That that that's yeah. not bad. That's yeah. pretty good. That's that is better than most triple A game sizes. That's like a third of a Call of Duty. That's half the size of my Monster Hunter World Iceborne install of HD textures. <laughs> okay, that's not too bad. Now with stepping back. I wonder how much of that is the opening movies that are in very high quality. <laughs> I wonder how much Reminds of that you... is music, because there is a lot of music in 14. Oh, yeah, that's a good point. Probably half of it at this point. But, yeah. We got a new announcement from Koei Tecmo about a Blue Reflection sequel called Blue Reflection Second Light for PlayStation 4, Nintendo Switch, and Steam, alongside Blue Reflection Sun for mobile and also PC. So I need someone more knowledgeable than me to take it away because my understanding of this is that Blue, Reflec <laughs> Blue Reflection was an average RPG from like three or four years ago that I felt like no one was really clamoring for a sequel, but maybe that maybe I was wrong on that. I, I think there's, I think there's a hidden like like not big fan, but there's definitely a hidden loyal fandom, a Blue Reflection fandom. Yeah, um, what I will say, I do know some people that did enjoy Blue Reflection. I feel like a lot of people said there was a flawed jrpg but it did have its own charm like obviously being gus it had a fantastic soundtrack um the localization though it did have some issues was decent i hear and um unfortunately i think what the game's most known for is the director or producer one of those people was uh uh very uh what's what's the polite way to put this Awful. not a good person uh no 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 <laughs> I remember that <laughs> remember <laughs> that one image from Bravely Default 2 that people keep posting around where it's like, have an interest in women's feet, do you? <laughs> <laughs> Basically that, uh, yeah. Okay, so yeah. Okay. Uh, I, I forgot what year, 2017 or 2018? Yeah, this came, uh, Blue Reflection came out on PS4, and then I don't know if it, it came out on PC as well. Uh, and the the things that, People took away from it from like just from the gameplay or not the gameplay, but the game overall was people really like the music. The music is really good in the game and people really like the UI. The UI has like lots of diamond uh, visuals uh, throughout the UI. It's like it was very ethereal looking type of deal. The premise was um, 
I actually, before all this announcements and stuff, like I, I was kind of curious uh, about it. So I, I played a little bit of it, like the first maybe two to three hours till the big boss fight a few weeks back. I, I, I kind of maybe want to go revisit it. I don't know. Um, this girl, uh, school girl, um, it basically gets turned to a magical girl. Um, and she delves into like the, the world of people's traumas or worries. And um, she, the, a big part about her backstory is that she hurt her leg so she can no longer do ballet and all like the, 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 the trauma that comes uh, with that of like not being with like um, no longer, you're, you're now barred from doing what you wanted to do most in life. And so she's interacting with people in the school that have like are either involved with that past or they are dealing with their own worries. Just like even as simple as like, I want to like ask this guy out, but like I'm not courageous enough and whatnot. And I don't know exactly what's like the, the real story going on behind because you go dive into like their, their mind space or their world where like these demons or these enemies are, you beat them up, magical girl style. And at some point in the game, like, one of the, like these enemies, like these big types of these enemies, comes into the real world, tries to assault the school, and like you protect it. That's how far how far I gotten. I don't, I can't really head, make her make heads or tails about like what's going on. Really, it's it's okay. The music is really good. Um, I I think what prompted me to revisit it was uh, before all these announcements of like a new console game and a new mobile game came out. Uh, a few weeks back, they announced a new anime adaptation that's not uh, not adaptation a new anime for it that's not adapting anything from the original game there's a brand new one brand new thing so they, there's a brand new blue, blue reflection anime airing this season and that like prompted this i'm like oh okay what was this game again and i don't know maybe i'll see some episodes of that and see where that goes but it's kind of it's kind of weird that to have this like resurgence of blue reflection of like it's out of nowhere like you know what we're gonna give this series another shot, a real earnest shot, and we're gonna announce three projects right away for it. And hopefully it turns out well. A lot of people really like Mel Kashida's art style. And Wait, um, three projects? What's the third yeah, one? Yeah, the, the so this there's Oh the blue, anime. Yeah, the anime. Blue, uh, blue sorry. Reflection Ray. Yeah. So yeah, I there's not much more to this announcement than them announcing these things. Um I have like, confirmed the English localization, but just still no window. Right. I will say I don't know anything. Yeah. I will say after Rise of Two, and like one of my main takeaways is it was really, really good considering like how little development time they had on it. If they've been developing this like on and even on and off since Blue Reflection One, I'm actually really interested to see how this turns out because it's clear that Gust, when they put their all into a project, can really go ham and maybe after the extra like cash flow from Ryza 1 and even Ryza 2, this might end up being a much better game than the first one, which already seems to be like a decent enough JRPG. So like, I'm actually kind of interested. I'll have my eye on it. Yeah, it has a lot of potential. I, I think just uh, if they really capitalize on like hammering down what what people wanted, because a lot of a lot of people like it's, a, it's like a lukewarm response. And but the actual premise of it is sounds appealing to an audience, right? Like you want you want a JRPG. It's like it's it's a magical girl JRPG, and a lot of you know a lot of people like that, like uh, like Card Captor Sakura or Madoka Magica and whatnot. So there's the, the audience is there. It's just utilizing it to its full potential. There could be something. 
We also got a surprise announcement, and this is one that I'll throw over to James's way. Uh, Utoa Ramono Zan 2, which is a sequel to the 2018 action game Utoa Ramono Zan that I don't think we were expecting. Was this something that you thought was in the works, or is this quite a surprise? It was a surprise for me in a big way, because... um, So... (laughs) It might be hard to tell, but I actually really like the Utoadu Mono series, despite the fact mm. I've only given the games like sixes and sevens <laughs> when I've reviewed them. Uh, I really liked Mask of Deception and particularly Mask of Truth. And Utoadu Mono Zon, I enjoyed, but my main complaint with it was is that it was an, only an adaptation of Mask of Deception, which was already a fairly short game. And they cut out most of the story and like the amount of content that was there wasn't really worth 60 bucks unless you were a really big fan of the series. Zan 2, or Zan 2, is basically adapting the other half of the Mask of Truth, well, Mask of Deception, Mask of Truth uh, saga. Um, I guess the best way to describe the dynamic between those two games is it's like a Trolls in the Sky first chapter, second chapter type deal. Mm. So Mask of Truth is like over double the length of Mask of Deception, much longer, much more content to work off of. So that alone meant that if we ever got a Xan 2, which I didn't expect, I figured it would be a much better deal. Um, but they've all it seems like they're putting much more effort into this one. It first off, there was only one like in engine 3 uh, 3D animated cutscene in Zon, which thankfully was the one that you would have wanted to animate the ending. Uh, but Zon 2, they've already shown that there's going to be more of them. They showcased one of the uh, earlier pivotal moments in Mask of Truth animated in 3D. Um, the gameplay itself, I had a lot of fun with in Zion. Wasn't amazing. I mean, it's a Musou title. You can't really expect too much, but I'm actually excited for this. I feel like this will be a solid, at least, well, a bump, at least from a six out of 10 to an eight out of 10, assuming that they do have more of those cutscenes in engine. They have a bit more content. So yeah, I'm excited for it. And Hey, it's another game for me to play on my PS5. So yeah, so Aqua Plus revealed this a couple days ago, just like the original game. It's developed by Tamsoft. It'll release in Japan uh, in July this year. It doesn't I, have an English localization yet, though. The I am got not. One. I am not sure if this will be localized. In fact, I would be shocked if it is. Why uh, do you say that? If the first one was uh, because the first one didn't sell particularly well, and it's a very niche game because it's like. Oh, people can say, oh, you can play this like Zon 1 and Zon 2 instead of Mask of Deception, Mask of Truth. No. Even if you could play this instead of Mask of Truth, you'd want to play Mask of Deception first. And it's just, this is definitely a game for fans, and the Utsuwaru Mono fandom is not that big. I don't think the amount of people that even would be interested in this that are Utsuwaru Mono fans is a significant portion of them. It's like a very like small Venn diagram of people that are both okay with Musou gameplay and are interested in seeing the story like animated in 3D and whatnot, and people that are Utoaru Mono fans. There's some overlap, but it's going to be like not a significant amount of overlap, if that makes sense. It's okay. Persona Five Strikers made new new Musou fans out of out of nowhere. A lot. It's well, of us now. I mean. Oh. I'll pitch it to Alex if if he wants us to do a, an import review, and even if not, I'll I'll play it. So it's like, but hopefully it gets localized. It would be great for the English speaking uh, Utsuwaru Mono fans that can't read Japanese. But I'm not holding my breath. I mean, that all twenty of them. 
<laughs> the only thing they can cling to these days is uh, putting the the gotcha game through a screen translator. Yep. Maybe I should have talked about this when we were talking about Gust earlier, but we got a sales update for the Atelier Ryza series. It was announced that the whole the series, both one and two, has surpassed more than a million sales worldwide, which for the Atelier series is quite quite a feat. We did learn late last year in August that Atelier Ryza One had sold five hundred thousand copies. So simple math tells us that the sequel has done maybe roughly as well. Maybe like a split of 55-45, assuming say, that Ryza has sold a little bit more with some reprints. Go ahead. I think the uh, split might be closer to 600-400. Uh, uh, Maybe. Yeah, that, that might be fair. But of course, Ryza 1 has only been on sale since January. Uh, Ryza 2. You know, Ryza at, well, well, sorry, yeah. Ryza 2 since January, uh, December in Japan last year. So... I think for a sequel, seeing a little bit of drop-off is kind of expected, but still, both games have sold really well relative to the rest of the series. So Wait, Ryza 2, it's very bad. good. Yeah, like that's that's a surprisingly high, I think you scored it a 9, right? A high release yep. from earlier this year. That kind of went under the radar, maybe. We got some DLC announced from Maneater. I am not reinstalling yeah. this game. <laughs> <laughs> James James had played through this like a couple weeks ago uh, when it was on PlayStation Plus, and he I think he he knocked it out in a couple days and then uninstalled it. But this DLC is called Maneater Truth Quest. Uh oh, it is coming out. Uh, does it have a date? I don't think it has a date. What's the premise? Truth Quest takes place after the events of Maneater, featuring two new episodes in a new region. Uh, let's see. I'm trying, like, I'm trying to like. I'm trying to the truth <laughs> about Maneater. <laughs> I mean, this is the truth now. quest. <laughs> oh, here, truth quest will take players down the rabbit hole of dark secrets and conspiracies surrounding oh, Port Clovis and the Naval Wildlife Organization. The, orig the original stories of animals growing bone-like armor, emitting flesh-eating toxins, or using electricity as a weapon were simply old fishermen's tales. That is, until conspiracy theorists everywhere pointed to the original Maneater as solid proof of a government cover-up. Oh, God, that's why yeah. it's called Truth Quest. Well, you get to chomp God in the face. Oh, uh, that's that's the next DLC. You just got to keep escalating. Like, <laughs> no, no, no. That's the sequel. Uh -oh. oh, great! I can't believe okay. that Man Eater and God Eater are actually the same series, but you, you, you can use series in the future. You can equip your shark with Magatama now. But the, the level cap is now increased to forty. Well, what was in the original game? Thirty a week. Yeah, it was thirty. <laughs> New wildlife, new Uber Apex Predator. I'm, I'm just reading through like this press release and just seeing how they're like selling this. New military forces for the bounty hunter system. Military uh -oh. land forces will launch attacks from beaches and fortifications. Helicopters will hunt by air. Okay. <laughs> okay. Helicopters will hunt by air. Is really okay. Funny. Yeah, no, no, no. Look, I'm just going to say it. Aerial enemies in this game in this game and man eater makes me want to touch this DLC less. <laughs> <laughs> so I couldn't find it earlier, but that's because uh, no release date. It just says slated uh, this summer. It is coming out for Switch in May. So, I, uh, so by the way, the key arch to this game shows or this DLC shows like the shark shooting a laser out of its mouth at like a ship flying in the air. So <laughs> it's something. That might make aerial combat a little bit better, but I'm not holding my breath. Turn your shark into Iron Man. Uh, in general, though, I'm okay with the games that just decide to just lean into this sort of premise. Like, 
this not everything has to take itself so seriously. I'm okay with this on on principle. Also, this DLC was announced on April Fool's Day. So oh, I didn't catch that. That's nice. I like that. <laughs> but it's a real thing. Yep. So a couple little footnotes here. These aren't things that we've written up on our site, but are kind of tangentially related or things we might have been able to write up. Uh, East 9 got an update in Japan to fix some of the issues for it running on PlayStation 5. And James, I think you tipped you tried this yeah, out once the update released. Yeah, I messed around, played about half an hour. I I just did a replay so recently. I'm not really big into another replay again, just because it looks nice and crisp on my uh, on my monitor now. But yeah, uh, East Nine is now 4K if you're playing it on PS5, and the performance is still good. There's some dips, some dips in the in the main area, but not nearly as bad as it used to be. And it's like whatever. That's a fair trade-off because the game was really blurry on PS5 before. Yeah, yeah. Now, for some reason, this update is still only the Japanese version of the game. It hasn't made its way into the into they the probably they probably didn't necessarily give uh, Nisa a heads up. I'd imagine, or if they did, they didn't give them enough of a heads up to get it out. I'm sure it will come, but uh, it, this is interesting because I do know that Falcom originally said that they wanted to do a proper PS5 version of East 9 and add more content. But the fact they went back and specifically made it 4K on backwards compatibility makes me wonder if that if plans have changed. And like we even see it like like PS5 sales haven't been great in Japan. And even then, like the software sales have been worse. Like we didn't mention it, but it's kind of awkward that uh, the new blue reflection is not coming out on PlayStation 5 when Ryza 2 did. Right. Yeah. And I guess that also now that you mentioned it, weren't there like complaints about the PS5 performance of Ryza 2 though? Apparently yeah. it's the worst version. Uh, basically the weird. issue with Ryza 2 is that if you're playing it at 4K, the game the PS5 is just not powerful enough to run the game at a locked 60 at 4K, and it has really inconsistent performance. If you set your PS5's resolution to 1080p, it's a locked 60. That's okay. It's too, it's you're right. Ryza Two is too powerful for the PS5. Confirmed. <laughs> I will actually say that I went back and played some more Ryza Two just to see how like much I could push it with my uh, new rig. And um, there's like one specific area in the game that has some really weird performance issues. Like I was having like frame rate drops on my laptop, but even even at 1440p, even if I cap it at like. 1080p i get the same performance issues on my desktop with a much better cpu and gpu so it's like weird yeah that's usually indicative of a yeah performance thing and not you know a hardware thing so i might i might try dxvk which is this like kind of thing that people made originally for useful linux but it actually can help sometimes with like DirectX 11 bottlenecks because it like translated into vulcan and i know at least for amd cards it has a much better performance in some instances and kind of can it's kind of a hack. Well, it is a hack, and it sometimes helps get around like shoddy coding. Uh, I do know that with like games like Assassin's Creed Origins and Odyssey, you actually get a somewhat well, much better frame pacing if you use that versus just the stock DirectX 11, which shouldn't be the case because it's a translation layer. But yeah, it, it's weird sometimes. But uh, yeah, 
Very interesting that this uh, backwards compatibility patch has been released for East 9 and the fact that Koei Tecmo is not releasing Blue Reflection Second Light natively on PS5. I wonder if we're going to see more of that going forward and they'll, and companies will just focus on like enhanced backwards compatibility. That'd be interesting. Yeah, because like PS5 is still hard to get everywhere and PS5 still doesn't have like that breakout software hit like the way Dragon Quest Heroes did. For PS4 back then in Japan, that was big. PS4 there. Yeah, I feel like we're going to be in a quite an extended kind of cross-gen period compared to previous gens. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree. I think Ratchet and Clank might be the first like, oh wow, next-gen thing. Well, yeah. Well, anyway, come on. I'm sure Returnal will be a next-gen experience. It's just nobody wants to pay seventy dollars for it. Actually, that, that's the thing. That wasn't even a dig at Return. I just forgot about it. <laughs> I know we mentioned I, it earlier, but I just it's not on my radar at all. It's just one of those weird things. Like I, I still can't see like in the foreseeable future what's the breakout hit for PS5 in Japan. Is it, does, do they have to wait till FF16 to maybe have that opening? Yeah, it's like that seems to be like the big um, game that that's going to be coming out over there. It's like what else is there for like Japanese titles? Like Sony has. Clearly, like we don't have it up on here, but like, like Japan Studios is officially no more. Like, yeah, the vast majority of their uh, their uh, team has been order well, contracts have not been renewed. A bunch of people from Japan Studios have publicly said that they're moving on, including uh, forget his name, but he was the creative director for the Demon Souls remake, working with Gavin Moore. Gavin Moore. Gavin Moore. It's like, I mean, we've 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 seen the rumblings of it. Like, it's just, I don't know, man. Yeah, I, I, yeah that, that one could, that one could actually caught me off guard because, like, oh, I didn't think you were going to like release this dude because he just barely shipped the game at the launch just a few months back. And you're like, hey, bye. And the Gravity oh. Rush artist, uh, Shinsuke Saito, who designed Cat, also left Japan Studio. It's yeah. like, it's like, and it is slow, but PC gaming, well, was getting more popular in Japan, though obviously with the way that the components uh, situation is working out worldwide right now, I, I wouldn't be sh- surprised if you see some backsliding worldwide with PC gaming. But it's, yeah, it's going to be a long transitional period for this generation. And it's like, I think the one saving grace for both the Xbox and the PlayStation is that they do have enhanced backwards compatibility. So even if there isn't, like exclusives yet you want to play at least you can kind of justify it if you play like certain games and it's like i can play it at 4k now or i can play it at a 60 fps and stuff like that so we'll see square enix japan announced on one of their blog posts some pre-order bonuses for the upcoming near replicant version 1.22 etc and nested within this are a series of avatars to use on your PlayStation profile. And they, uh, they didn't even try to. Yeah. Yeah. On the avatar set, it's got characters like Emil and Kaine and Nier. And there's a younger Nier, younger brother Nier, older brother Nier. And then after that, it's this blurry figure of an older gentleman Mystery. with white hair <laughs> that's pixelated mm. out. Uh, so this should be the mini pick for this podcast. <laughs> 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 Who could this be? Mysterious, this mysterious man be? Hmm. Yeah. It's, so it's obvi- a, go for it. So obviously, when near Gestalt and Replicant first released, the version that the global audience got was the version with Papa Near and not the brother. Replicant is 
ostensibly focused on the brother version and kind of half Mimi, half endearingly. People were like, I want Papa near. I want the older near. I want father near. Because some, some people genuinely think that the father-daughter dynamic just works better for the game than the brother-sister one. That might be up to taste and, you know, preference. And now they're kind of like leaning into it where it's like, oh, you, you, you say you want this, huh? And didn't they say like a couple months ago, like if it sells X million copies, they'll think about it or something like that? What was the yeah, statement they made? It was, it was like half as much as like Automata did or something like that. It was like it was in a live stream they did. And that's that's a tall order because now Automata's like, what? Oh, here, I, I found it, something here. If near replicant, if if near replicant sells 2.5 million copies, Square Enix will add Papa near to the game. <laughs> <laughs> Or, or, or not even add, but like, or like, release like another like a Gestalt version one point two three or whatever. Like, who, who knows? Like at this point, like what their plans are. But that's there's a really, really uh, weird and torturous way to like tease that. <laughs> I, I, I kind of dig it though. <laughs> um, I, I'm most excited for the other icon that's poured out that right. nobody really knows exactly who that. Uh, yeah, I was thinking about that. I was like, who? Like, there, there's another mysterious figure. Unironically, though. This I was wondering if it was, this is maybe very, very vague spoilers, but like, are there two different versions of the Shadow Lord? And no, that doesn't seem to be it. Mm -hmm. so, right. Yeah, that doesn't line up. Like, <laughs> to be honest, though, when I first like looked at that, like the first, it, it, it's totally unrelated, but the first thing that popped into my head is like, is that some Bravely Default character? <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's interesting to see, like, is this going to be something in the main game now? Or is this more teasing? Who knows? Who knows? They just they said, "Hey, here's this avatar set. Pretty cool, huh?" Like, I guess <laughs> it's it seems like they're kind of really, really heavily foreshadowing that there's going to be some I don't know what you call it story extension, semi sequel. This is my this will be my first time playing near, so I won't have that experience of like what's new and what's returned. But I feel like that's the way they're going. I guess another like uh, final thing just on the subject in year two is like they also released an April Fool's Day trailer, but it was it was focusing on like all the other things besides combat you do in that game, like fishing, farming, having a good <laughs> nice time, like talking to NPCs, like a slow life RPG, board Stay drifting, uh, yeah, board drifting. And the last real note that we have on here is. A surprise localization of Atelier Online Alchemist of Bressasol. I hope I pronounced that right. <clears throat> Does I'm anyone know anything about this? Uh, I kind of do. It's like it's like a mobile MMORPG. Uh, so like you're wandering around there and you actually see other players playing the game in it. I I know there's a okay, so to, to back up, this is by Boltren Games. Boltren Games is not the developer, but they're publishing it. Um, I forgot who the developer was exactly. Oh, it's uh, the developer's N NHN Play Art. And, uh, and it looks like this, this mobile RPG first released in 2018 in Japan. Mm -hmm. But and, now uh, a, West, a Western release is, has been announced. Yeah, Boltrend is interesting because uh, Adam and I always keep an eye on them. Uh, like they released Idola Fantasy Star Saga sometime last year in the West. I think it was last year, maybe two years ago. Yeah, it was last year. Okay, it was last year. And then, uh, and then they announced three more projects. That, that this is the third project that have yet to be released. They announced first. They announced Arc the Lad Arc R, and like it went to, into closed beta testing last year, the localized version, but then was never heard from again. Like it's kind of weird how silent they are with that game. Then they announced 
this Gaia RPG, which is releasing sometime this month, I believe. Yep. Uh, and then now they've an- announced Atalia Online, so they're kind of, you know, in- interesting to see them kind of. I guess whatever they're doing, Idola, it's working out to further announce more games. But one thing that's also kind of weird is they really sort of didn't announce that Atelier Online is coming west. Like, there's nothing on their website about it, nothing on their Twitter about it. And all that there is is that they uploaded like the opening movie to their YouTube video or to their YouTube channel. And it has like a small description, like, here's what the game is. But like, that's it. Like, no other details. They not even saying like, we're like, we're bringing this over. Just like, they literally just uploaded a video. This this is, this is the YouTube trailer description from Bolt Run Games. Free-to-play adventure role-playing game that combines the features of previous Atelier series with online play and cooperation with other players. That's it. It's like boilerplate. Like, this is what it is. But yeah, like, go to their website. Go to their Twitter. They're still, like, on their Twitter, it's all just Disgaea RPG. Like, they, they literally haven't, like, said anything. So it's kind of weird. Like, okay. Yeah, I don't know. They're, they're well, I mean... Up. They might Sorry. just be waiting for Disgaea RPG to be out and have like some time in the spotlight before they really start focusing on marketing Atelier Maybe. online. Maybe. If Maybe. you press that, go to Bolt Run Games' webpage and hit the Games tab, it's not even in their dropdown. That's it, weird. That's it's, really also, also, weird. it's also weird because Arc the Lad R was announced like several weeks before Disgaea RPG as well, but then Disgaea RPG like just took the spotlight and then Arc the Lad R is like forever gone in the void at this point. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. (laughs) And with that, that covers everything that I had listed. So kind of a shorter news week, but obviously April is coming in strong with obviously we've got near remaster. We've got PC ports and stadia ports of some Falcom games like Cold Seals three and four to look forward to. Obviously, Outriders just released and a few other things coming out in April. So we'll obviously look into those as we get into them. Maybe we'll spend more time on the Kingdom Hearts uh, PC ports to see what we think about further impressions on those. And obviously the fall, the first like post-launch DLC for Monster Hunter Rise that expands that game's post-game, also slated for this month. Let's start wrapping up. Obviously, we are here every week here on the TetraCast. You can listen to this on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, and we also have them uploaded to YouTube. We did talk a little bit about our casual mode series. That's just uh, about hour-long videos where we just take random games and just kind of like chat about our experience with them in real time. We did bring up the casual mode uh, that we did on the um, Deedlet and Wonder Labyrinth that James had just played for this week. You can obviously visit us on Twitter at RPG Site, YouTube RPG Site Net, and then obviously go to our webpage, RPGSite.net. We've got the list of all those PS3, PSP, PS Vita games that are unfortunately being delisted at the end of summer but until next time take care stay safe and we'll talk to you then hot rider servers let me in